one. Welcome everybody to a special top 10 episode of the top 10 flex supports of all time. Overwatch history, Overwatch 1 history, top 10 flex supports, Overwatch 1 history. We've got Custer joining us here today. He looks bemused. <laughs> He's got his eyes that wide. Was the that was the fastest opening I've ever heard. I thought I was in like a racetrack for a second there, but you know. I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm just here to see if I made anyone's list again, just like. Matt's not here, so I'm like, maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, it's there's a world where you might have just squeaked into the top ten somehow for main supports and flex supports maybe depends how and far sports. back people are going. Yeah. So yeah, ancient I, history might be on Matt my list. Matt ranked number you number one. nine for main support last week, I believe. So number yeah. nine, you made a top ten you of Matt. That's a top ten appearance. Main supports after not playing since like 2019, so that's impressive. <laughs> that is I'll impressive. Take that. Scott. I'll take that. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah, if you don't know how these uh, these top 10 lists work, basically we all submitted, including people who aren't on the show, our top 15 on the on the the from the Platchat side of things, the crew, and we've got this weird point system where we basically create a top 10 list based off all of our lists, but we didn't discuss how any of us ranked our lists. So we could be going off completely different metrics in terms of accomplishments, the peak performance, uh, a, a wide variety of things. We don't really know how each of us have ranked them, but somehow the main support one works. We ended up with a top 10 list that was actually pretty solid. So I think the system we've got works. And as well, I will say this um, from the top of the show as well, because it is going to come up, especially with this flex support episode, but there are some characters in the Overwatch League, some, uh, some players who have obviously had fantastic and amazing accomplishments over the course of Overwatch Esports, but their character outside of the game is less than stellar. I'm thinking of players like Ryu J. Hong, for example, in this episode. Um, across the board, we basically decided I, I was wondering personally, how do we go about this? I searched up a bunch of sports leagues and, and saw like how they did their Hall of Fame. And um, essentially there's, I mean, I can just quote and read off the, the MLBs. Um, but the MLB takes into account, if I can find it, it's something called the character clause. Um, and it's based upon the player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the team. So uh, of a few of those, I mean... Certain players will not be making our list, at least from my, from my perspective, um, because of those reasons, I think. I think that's a, a pretty valid set of um, things to kind of try and draw from for, for most of these players. But uh, yeah, Ryu J. Hong obviously coming out as um, someone who is quite misogynistic on stream quite some time ago, uh, really did kind of tarnish a lot of his career. So he won't be making the list in any sort of capacity whatsoever. And it's going to be in a similar case for Sinatra as well in a future episode when we look at DPS players. Um, and also, so, I, hope, I hope that people don't focus in on that subject too much, like whether he should be making the list or not, or, because this is just a fun ranking we're doing on the offseason, right? Yeah. Like we're here to have fun ranks on players and it's not the Hall of Fame. Like we actually don't have like the Hall of Fame LLC of the Overwatch League. And like, if that was the case, maybe, you know, we would actually investigate, look at the facts and like really give it time to think. But because we're just doing a fun, lighthearted kind of episode, we decided to go this way. And we hope that people don't really into that subject matter too much and instead just enjoys the episode with the other flex supports and have a laugh with us on the way yep I suppose. so that's it just thought i'd preface the episode by saying that and uh yeah without further ado let's get started with our top 10 flex supports of overwatch one history I don't know. I, uh, my rankings this are this. This was so much harder. This I was so know much harder. Than no, so no. Much harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. I didn't know what to do. It was hard as fuck. Especially because, like, people in the main sport episode, there was a lot of, like, clear factors, too. And, like, 
where, you know, I can think about Hero Pool. At this point in the game, when you're looking at flex supports, all the best flex supports have an incredibly deep Hero Pool. All of them. Yeah. Like, you can't even, they're like, you've just lost a factor for the most Wait, part. Except for they? one. Except for one flex support on the list that's really good. Yeah, all on of them your have list. really good flex <laughs> Yes. Friends, like, not on my list. Everyone's on, flexible. On very high rated flex support that does not have an incredibly deep hero mm -hmm. pool comparatively. It's still yeah. good. It's still a really good hero oh, pool. Oh, God. It's like, essentially, it's. You're not going to have any hair left by the end of this episode, I've asked. I'm just telling you. Johnny, like, I swear I... to God. I swear to God. If I see, like, another Neptuno top five type of thing, if I see, like, a Chipsogen is, like, in the top. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm do I've done an I'm internal go investigation about that, okay? Wild. Neptuno, okay. that that rankings was flawed, okay? Neptuno, he was way too high, high up. I, I've spoken to my assistant about this. We're currently <laughs> investigating what went wrong when that rankings was published. Uh, but needless to say, that will be... Uh, we, we will revise that and, and sort just that transcribes. out. I you just... That's all they do. I just can't believe Neptuno hit top five before I hit the top ten of Johnny's list. I'm just, I'm just insulted <laughs> yeah. over here. Come on, Johnny, what are we doing? <laughs> okay, I, well, I, re I refuse to comment until uh, further, until further let's, investigation. Let's get the show on the on the way. Let's let's take a look then. Number ten of our top ten flex supports, rolling deep. Come on, roll, roll, roll the clip. There we go. Oh boy. Oh. Number ten is Kareev. 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 And, oh, you've got my quote up there. A fantastic player with an uncanny ability to find himself on teams with no hope. And honestly, quite underrated. So, a little bit just kind of throwing shade at, at Scott there. With the quotes. <laughs> he, he carried my ass for like two years of his career. Well, the, the thing is that I'm surprised is that he's at number 10. Because I didn't have him this high. And I thought mm. none of you guys were going to rate him. Because I think he is underrated as well. I think a lot of people look at his most recent performances and really hold him accountable for that. But in season one and season two, he was very, very good. And one of the integral parts of like the success that Valiant had when they did have success. Like, So I, I like it. I can put Kareem in 10. Johnny, you seem upset. Yeah, I actually, okay, I actually had Kariv a little bit higher, okay? He's not number five, I've asked, but I had him a little bit higher because of what you just mentioned, that he actually was really good in 2018 and 2019. And like, among, he, he was not Jonak level, not Bedosian level, but he was one of the better flex supports in the league. And he's had a long career, like, say what you will, but some of these flex supports players that are in these rankings, like, they, they left the league in like 2020 or missed 2021 or they weren't around in 2016, 2017. Kariv has been around for a very long time, since, since like 2017, and played at a high level. And I think that this guy had more potential than, um, especially he showed on like Toronto Defiant. Like he carried that team at times with um, his impact on the flex support role. And I thought it was good 2018, 2019. So I ranked him a little bit higher because he's been around for such a long time and always delivered at a pretty high level. Yeah, that's actually, as someone that was a, actually a, a relatively big Kariv defender, I will admit, I didn't rank him on this list, but honestly, I will say that might have been a mistake because realistically, he was very, very good. And even though he hasn't had like great recent performances at all, you also take into account that he was also incredibly good, like flex player too. Like he mm -hmm. played DPS, yeah. like he used to be a DPS player. For like Maidu AOD, I believe was the team. Well, he played move. DPS and Al, remember? Yeah, like he played so, DPS and some funky for stuff. Season, yeah. Which granted, I think was a holy papige moment, but like whatever. Like I, I still think that he, he's really, really good. And I'm not even mad that he's, I think he's maybe a little highly rated when consider the caliber of flex supports currently in the I league know, at this man. point. But I, I do think that's not, un, I don't think it's unfair. I don't think it's unfair. 
Because I had Kariv up there, because when I was looking through a lot of the lists, I think of players who were um, defined as, in some cases, like the best players on their team at certain points. Like, Kariv could could be up for that argument when he's playing on, on some of these teams. Um, and even back when he's playing on teams like the Defiant, when they're looking at their worst, you know, can you, do you remember this Defiant iteration with Cruz on it as well? The oh, Cruz yes. Kariv backline? <laughs> like, it, these, these rosters just... Yeah, I don't know. He was still the, the standout player at the time for them. And I feel like a lot of the problems of the teams that he was on could be boiled down to the fact that he was really just on teams that just couldn't get it together. But there was no doubt, if you watch his POV, the guy's mechanically super sound. And he's got it all. He's got all the makings of a great flex support player. It's just never really found the right team environment to carry him aside from when he was playing in 2018. So he, he made it pretty high up in my list just based off of that. Because as well, you look at a lot of the top teams across... The, um, the history of the Overwatch League and some of the flex supports. I mean, I was looking at them and I was like, you know, I, I wouldn't really rate them up there with a lot of these. I mean, comparing comparing them to Kariv at least, but uh, that's just me. I've also changed the pronunciation of his name like three times. <laughs> yeah, no, I, he honestly fair. doesn't care. Yeah, I think, like, I think it's a fair ranking, honestly. I don't, I don't yeah. want to put him this high, but I don't think I could. I can't get mad if someone's going to put him around here just because mm -hmm. like he really was really fucking good for the first two years of the league and still pretty solid after that so and it's flexible okay I, i'm pretty biased about this as well because kriv was one of my favorite teammates that i ever played as well like he's yeah. just like he's just a genuinely really nice person like really good to play with but he also is just like okay don't worry I'll carry. And then he like straight up does like that match against like, was it the one that he's famous for the Sandman one, like the Vancouver Titans where he just like slept yeah. everyone under the sun. Like he just had those pop-up potential. And that's why, that's what I remember. And that's why you should be on this list. I, I had him pretty low. <laughs> I thought it was me that had him higher. Bumped him up. Anyway, I, mean, I whatever. didn't even have him on the list. So, yeah, I had him. I had him at, uh, we'll see it at the end anyway. We'll, look, is, at, we'll oh look at some of our God. lists. <laughs> Number nine of our top 10 flex supports of all time. Roll the thingy. Here we go. Number nine is Unko. No, I'm kidding. No, I was trying to troll the audio <laughs> listeners. Uh, it's Iris. And uh, Avast, you got your quote up. It says, though he spent most of his time on Batiste, his play on that hero and in the style of the Atlanta rain was nearly perfect. What a lovely little quote from you. Yeah, and I, I think I do think that the biggest problem with Iris is that A, new addition to League, so he doesn't have a ton of like historical data to rank him like very highly necessarily at this mm -hmm. point though obviously even if you're a new addition you can be ranked really high on this list in my opinion i don't really take historical performance as more of like just an extra umami versus the requirement right um like having a long history but and also he only played baptiste for the most part he did play other heroes yeah. but mostly baptiste and yeah. That also, to me, it's like, I don't know if I can rank someone really highly, even if their Baptiste play was incredibly good, because I just don't know, like, comparatively to a lot of other players on the list that have proven that they can be excellent at other heroes, Iris hasn't necessarily shown that fully. Um, and, but I do think overall his Baptiste plays, and also not just his overall mechanics and play on Baptiste, but also something that I took into account here uh, was that comparative, like, Flex support, you have to have a lot of synergy with your team a lot of times. Like, the way that you work with your utility is very, very important. Like, how do you set up your fields, your window? Like, when are you using nades and sleep, etc. right? There's, like, all sorts of different things that are very important microplays for flex supports. And I think Iris on BAP was incredible in the Atlanta rain style. I think they don't... This team, it, it's... Like, there are definitely some players that could have gotten, but his BAP play was pretty integral for them doing so well um, during the season. 
Yeah, I, 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 I ranked in the exact same way, like as a vast of like, I think he's incredibly talented and I'm really excited to see like going into these upcoming years, like if he's going to be able to have the same results on other heroes, because he didn't play under Dogman. Like he, he first joined the Atlanta rain. He was with Dogman and he didn't really get the play time, but then we saw him this year. And I think the Atlanta rain would not have been as strong if they didn't have Iris on that Baptiste. He was so good, but at the end of the day, he did play. I, I remember looking at the stats at the end of the season, it was like 80%. He played Baptiste 80% yeah. of the time in the season or something like that, which is just ridiculous. So great player. I want to see more of him. You know, really just had his rookie season. So this is where my assessment of players versus your, your assessment is very different. Because I did not put Iris on my top 15. Because really? it was only in one season, essentially one and a half, I suppose. And he spent that single Overwatch League season. Yes, you know, he made the finals, obviously. And I agree, like, he's a really good flex support player. One of the better ones we've had in 2021. But he spent his only season playing like 80% BAP. And when you look at this from like a burst perspective, and I try to assess some of these players, I'm going like, well, if I'm a GM and I know going into 2016, like what I'm getting out of a player uh, for the next five, six years or whatever. I'm looking at Iris and I'm like, okay, this game, we have an esports scene for five, six years. And you're telling me with Iris, I'm getting like one good year on Baptiste to end it all. And there's five years that like, you know, he, he spent some time in contenders, you know, had some success in North America, came in late 2020, you know, but was pretty average with the Atlanta rain. Like there's not a lot of meat on the bone there. So despite the fact that Iris, I agree that he was really good in 2021, I didn't put him in my top 15 list because I think historically there are so many players that have been great in their time, similarly to Iris, but been around for longer and play more matches and had more impact on the scene. See, Don't I you agree. think that there's extra weight though for going to the grand finals? But Not very many players have gone to the grand finals. This is the... Yeah, sure. This no, is the, you're, this you're is right. <laughs> this is the point I wanted to um, bounce off of there, Johnny, as well, because I agree with all your points, but I think... When I was doing my list, the interesting thing was I thought about that because you're absolutely correct. There's a lot of players, a lot of flexible players with storied histories that have reached almost the same peaks, doing more almost like in terms of what they can play. But for Iris, I think uh, I rated him. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't punching, but he did break into the top 10 for my list. And I pinned it really down to the fact that he did it all in a season where he made the finals. And also when the demand or like the... Uh, I, I suppose, like, the expectation for flex support play has never been higher. And in that one instance, I also thought he made tremendous improvements from the start of 2021 to the end of it. Because I remember early on with his Batiste play, a lot of times he'd be making a couple of mistakes, like a, a missed immortality field that would get somebody killed. It would be, like, a second too late. And over the course of the season, it was just honing that one role into the state where he literally brought, with his play, it wasn't all him, obviously, but he brought the Atlanta Reign to the finals, um, which I thought at least commanded a certain level of respect because, you know, it's the, the pinnacle of competition is the finals. If you can make it that far as well, it's, uh, I think it, it bodes quite well. But yeah, I, it's quite interesting that some of us, at least all of us, I think, have said that uh, for both of these players, we didn't have them on our list. And yet they still made the top 10. 
But I'm wondering well, who is rating these players very I mean, it, high. Could, <laughs> be, I mean, also we do technically. I think Josh sent in stuff, but I don't and know Matt, if he has his list. Matt, oh, like, and Matt, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. People, you know? and also, Matt put Kariv number one. Um, That's why he. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. No, at Matt's list. Yeah, he's probably got all these but players. Also, I rated one Iris relative. I think I rated Iris actually maybe even slightly above that. I, if mm. I remember properly, right. I can't remember okay. my exact list because I, I actually put a lot of weight in reaching grand finals in general um, because you like, and also the more recently that you played because yeah. on average, if you were performing at high levels in the most recent seasons, you are probably on average better than your counterparts in the past. Yeah, like, I mean, it's the toughest obviously, competition Obviously, though, yet. unless you've had consistent, like, like it, the only, like, pretty much if you were good in early and then got better as it went on, like, you're, like, a legend type of thing. But if you were really good in the beginning and about average to pretty good now, like, that just means you're still really good. It's just you're obviously not, like, as top tier as someone I think that's competing at the top tier level mm -hmm. currently. I, I actually had this kind of, uh, like mental conversation when I was doing this list because like Boombox is a great example to Iris, right? Like Boombox yeah. made the finals in the inaugural season in 2018, but it's like, it, as kind of just said, it's like Iris has done it recently while Boombox did it in the past and didn't have that longevity of a career. So I think that's why it's going to be hard for him to break into the list. But I am, I'm with you as well. Like hitting the finals or having a great run in a year means a lot to me. Boombox is in my top 10, by the way. What? Oh, <laughs> and I will okay. lay out the arguments. He, obviously, I don't think he's going to be on the top 10 list like oh. we on reveal here. But if we go back and talk about the list afterwards, I'll, I'm happy to give my okay. reason yeah, why yeah. I put him here. Because I'm, Wait, I, I really thought it through. And I, yeah, he's ninth. I ranked him ninth. Oh, okay. Well, I'm interested. He made the finals. We'll see. He made the finals. He made the finals. Mm. I'm looking at my list here, and I'm trying to work out who you've snubbed I, out of this I, yeah, list. I, you have to be doing some wild shit then. Okay, yeah. let's 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 go Number on. Eight. Let's go let's go. Right Number eight on the list. Roll it up. Let's take a look. Number eight on the top ten flex supports. It is Bedosin. Yeah. And yeah, this is a quote from uh, Young Jonathan, an Overwatch League champion that was the sole contestant to Jonak's MVP title in 2018. Um. You mean you mean yeah. within the same roles as well, right? Uh, yeah, I mean for that flex support role, yeah. um, I I I I probably rated Bedoshin, you know, again for historical reasons, you know, um, but the highest out of anyone of us who did this rankings. Um, and if you actually like go back and like look at some of the vods and like look at some of the stats, I think people sometimes forget how good Bedoshin was on the Lona Spitfire in 2018. Like he was borderline as good at Jonak in times. And Jonak was like a fucking juggernaut. Like Jonak was insane in 2018. Like he was the best player in the league. Like the MVP wasn't even a discussion. It was just like, mm -hmm. yeah, give it to Jonak. It was not like, you know, is it leave? Is it fearless? Is it sparkle? Like who's going to be the MVP? Um, even like um, in 2020, it was like, oh, well, is it going to be Violet or are we going to have Alarm? Um, and there was one more player, oh, Flat, of course, in the mix. Like Jonak was like the number one in 2018. Uh, and if there was any conversation, the runner-up would have been Bedosian for that flex support role in 2018 because he was so freaking good um, as Sanyara and Ana uh, that early on in the Overwatch League. Um, 2019, I mean, struggled a little bit more. Um, he was on Seoul Dynasty in 2020 and helped them. Um, did they win the melee? No, they got traversed with by Shanghai Dragons no, in the main melee finals in 2020. anything in 2020. They got second. Yeah, was yeah he they, got, they got second, yeah. 
when no, they won mostly i'm pretty it? sure creative played a lot of their yeah like, that's no it was a knockoff right i'm pretty sure that bedoshin played in the main melee but creative played in the playoffs but ah, yeah. didn't play anything that in the playoffs true. when Soul yeah. made second, yeah. But I definitely but, remember Creative ending, ending the season. Yeah, yeah, Creative ended the season, but Bedoshin played early on. Um, and he was really good. And I also put a little bit of weight into the fact that he was competing at a very high level um, in the final season of Apex as well. Because I think if you look at Bedoshin's career, like 2017, 2018, 2019, those were Bedoshin's peaks as a player. Um, and I think, again, because of like how dominant Jonak was in 2018, I think that we uh, underrated a little bit like how good of a flex support Bedoshin was. And if it wasn't for the fact that it was rumored that he was quite toxic to teammates, you know, Lona Spitfire in 2018, they had a bit of a tumultuous practice situation uh, before they beat Kostan the Valiant in their playoff <laughs> matchup. Um, but Bedoshin was so, so strong mechanically that uh, he, he was part of the reason London even won in the first place. So I got to give Bedoshin a lot of credit for being so mechanically skilled in this role. Yeah, it, he, he was that player that just like, you're always wondering which one was going to show up into a game. And like, you know, as you just said in the playoffs, Bedosin just had these moments where he was as good as Jonak, right? He wasn't as consistent as Jonak in the 2018 season, but he had those level of plays where he just took over a game and he could play Ana, he could play Zen. And I think if you are new to watching the league or you haven't seen a lot of Bedosin and you only really know him from like 2019 onwards, you, you you need to understand why he is on this list. He was really that good. But yeah, 2019 London Spitfire wasn't very good. He didn't have a full season in 2020. So it's like, we don't really know much of him now. But back in the day, he he was just so sick to look at. And I agree with Johnny. He was, he was the runner-up, the second best flex support in the league in 2018. I find it pretty crazy that players that essentially haven't played in like two years, it feels like they're great. I guess a little less than that for Bedosian. It's like more like a year and a half, perhaps uh because of like 2020 are making it this far into top 10. Um, you put iris who's played one season one and yeah. a half season we're talking yeah. about going not mean, gold. i i realistically i'm gonna be honest i thought Bedoshin was really good but his 2020 was it was solid his 2019 was meh like so his he had one incredible year one good year and one bad year Okay. And then I, versus a guy that was incredible for an entire well, I'll year. Tell you, I'll tell like, you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what my weighting was then for Bedosin because I've got him around this place. I think I had him at ninth in my list. And the the concept that I went off of was he's a he's a champion in the Overwatch League. Admittedly, the competition wasn't as high at the time, but he he is a champion in the Overwatch League, which is pretty good. He was also kind of the main caller at the time as well for the team. He was very pivotal in that role. He was really fucking good in that year that he was a champ. Um. He kind of dropped off. Like, I mean, it's it's without... You, you just need to look at it. He literally fell off. But what was most impressive was the fact that he managed to come back into another team environment and compete at the highest level of the Overwatch League once again, making it really deep. Scam likely calling me. Go away. The... Uh, <laughs> the yeah, I, I took into account the fact that he managed to have a bit of a resurgence in a time when, again, it's the most competitive the Overwatch League has ever been in 2021, and he made it really fucking deep as well, like, in to the, to the finals once again. Like, this this is a player that's... Yeah, he didn't... Oh, you mean 2020? Because he didn't play in 2021. Yeah, sorry, 2020. He retired in 20, for 2021, yeah. might be. But yeah, he, um for... Again, most recently playing in the Overwatch League, like I think of 2020, 2021, when competition was at its peak. You know, you can argue that like GOATS in 2029 was refined to such a point where it was like incredibly high levels of play between some of the best teams. But 
ultimately, the more recently he played, like he did have a bit of a resurgence. Yeah, he missed out on 2021. But again, it depends how much weight you want to hold to the accomplishments of him making the finals and also being a champion because not many players yeah. can say that they've played in the finals twice. For yeah. sure. I mean, also technically he, I don't think he has played in the finals twice because he didn't play in yeah, playoffs creative, creative play, not him. Yeah. In, the, in the actual finals themselves? Yeah. It was great. I don't think he yeah. played like the back half of the season. He didn't right? play like the back half of 2020. Oh, I'm yeah. like, he played okay, up to well. like May Melee. So, which is also kind of why he lost points for me is like one of the most competitive seasons. Yeah. He essentially didn't play for like half of it. Um, so like, Let's scrap him off the list then. I but, forgot about no, it. No, no, no. I mean, I actually, I, <laughs> I don't even mind. I think he's one of the legacy players that prop, like one of the players that were there in the beginning that probably you could definitely, you could make an argument that he should be top 10 still because he was so good. And he did have some strong performance in 2020. It's just he didn't make the cut. So I, he wasn't on my list in top 10. And I think he's someone you could make the argument for. But personally, I'm of the opinion that Flexport is of the is one of those roles that has just been so incredibly elevated in recent years that it's so that unless you've kept like strong performances uh up throughout your entire career, it's really hard for me to put someone that essentially stopped playing in 2020, you know, after half the season into sure. the list. Um, but I do think Pedotion has a good argument just because he did play 2020 and had a pretty decent year, like a pretty strong year for the time he was playing. So, but I also have never, I've also thought Pedotion, like, as, as a player aside, really strong mechanics, but I have at times never, I, I haven't liked his positioning slash playmaking choices at times. I feel like he's get overly aggressive. Reminds me of like a Neko sort of at times. Um, a Neko. And just a way, but way better, like way better than Neko, a but like Neko. the way that Neko's play style was. Um, he he went for like some really crazy high risk, high reward plays, but also at weird fucking times without support of his team. And to me, that's positioning is like a very huge part of flex sport play. And I think Pedotion kind of fell off a bit as like the years mm. went on in regards to like his game sense and what he can get away with. Um, so that's why he didn't make the list for me. All right. I, I do want to say one last thing, yeah. sorry, on Bedosin while he's here. Like, I agree with uh, Avas that the problem with Bedosin is when things aren't going well, Bedosin was never the solution to the problem. He, were, uh, he was, as he says, like, we're losing, time for me to flank into the back line or something like that and go for these crazy plays. But uh, like, I also, I think maybe Johnny's in the same boat as me when we're talking about these old school players. When I look at 2018 players, we're talking about the greatest of all time. I use a lot of weight of like, the more, obviously, the players now are way better than they were in 2018. Yeah. But I rank players for when they were relevant because obviously the game's going to keep improving. Of course. So yeah. I think like 2017, 2018, 2019, Pedosin in my eyes, that's why I'm putting him here. Not for anything, obviously, that he's done anytime recently. Yeah. The relativity to yeah. the time when they were playing him. Yeah. Um, sure. Cool. Let's move on. Number seven in our top 10 flex support list, the aggregated results. Number seven is Fielder. Nice. An overlooked flex support that embodies value from Anna. Incredible player, even when he started on 9 billion ping with Paris. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I, I think I actually had him like quite high. I, I actually Every had him at five. Yeah. I, he, he's, I think he is an underrated player and one of like the big reasons that we've seen so much uh, success from the Dallas Fuel and even the Paris Eternal. And he's just done so well. And I think he just doesn't get talked about enough. He He's just consistent. He isn't that player making these like always big high risk plays, high big things like doing, you know, like shoe levels of Baptiste windows, but he's solid. And I think that's what you really,
really need in a flex support sometimes. So I think he just really deserves this spot and being high because he's done it now for multiple seasons, right? 2020, uh, 2021, he's been incredibly powerful and he also looks like he's going to continue that. With like yeah, GC Busan like, and stuff, he was really good. So. Yeah, he's he's absolutely insane player. Yeah, I am pretty high. I admire in this. Um, I because once again, I just love the Dallas backline just because I consistency, consistency. They just don't do shit wrong. They don't do anything wrong. And also, Fielder did legitimately make some very high impact plays. I think, uh, yeah. especially this past year. But uh, I I do feel like and there was like a narrative going around for it that he couldn't play Zen. That is just patently wrong like his in really good and i think he's like incredible um so i put him higher than this but definitely deserves to be in the list for just being such an insist uh, just consistently great player like the thing is he's not even just good he's he's great on the rolls he's great he's just like not necessarily the flashiest so you want to go first Brian? um i was just gonna say that he produced some of my favorite moments in the overwatch league i think it was at the 2020 summer showdown when paris won um against yeah. philly that that was just an incredible match. And the fact that he did it on 200 ping as well, and the storyline of him just literally just, you imagine what that guy was going through at the time when he's competing during the pandemic in Korea, away from his teammates, he doesn't see their faces on 200 ping on a completely alternated time zone. So he's literally living his life from like midnight to 12 p.m. to like 12 p.m. in the day. Like that's his life. Like his, his schedule flipped around and I just remember that that ending shot of him just looking spent <laughs> when they won when they won the, the whole thing and he was just sat there. His entire team was jumping around celebrating and he was just he was just an empty husk. Like it, it drained his everything to win it. But it was one of my one of my favorite moments, man. The guy is just a true competitor. I completely agree with everything you guys have been saying so far about like just his consistency and his level of play. Very underrated. I had him slightly higher than him at n number six on my list. But yeah, a, a really wonderful, wonderful flex support player. That's um, He sticks out in my mind. He's created some, some lovely defining memories of watching the Overwatch League. This is where I sag. <laughs> I think Fielder is a bit overrated. And oh. I did not have him in my top 10. In your top 10? No, I did not have him Defend yourself, Johnny. I did not. These, these lists so the I, I, I so agree that at. Fielder has produced some of the best moments in recent Overwatch League history. Most notoriously, when Paris Eternal won that uh, summer showdown last year and like he was in his room. Like I completely agree. Um, I think his honor is also on a good level. But I think if you look at 2020, apart from that summer showdown um, performance from him, I don't think he was that level of special. And as we're getting through this top 10 list, we're going to get to some really special flex support players that like turn games around, that like straight up carry their teams because they're so fucking good at, you know, whether it's being aggressive as a Senyata player, you know, game changer as an Ana, et cetera. Um, I mean, she I mean, was going to come up as well as Baptiste. Like I, I feel like Fielder, obviously he had a tons of success with Dallas Fuel this past season. Um, and Fielder was the pick. Like, I'm not, I'm not coming out here just like spewing bullshit. Like, Fielder was the pick because of this reason that I spent the most time deciding with. Um, I pulled, I got two pages of just like stats in front of me because I looked at this pick for so long, like looking at stats, you know, like how much impact did he have? And none of the stats are like, 
this guy was like top tier in his role. Now, stats are not everything. Of course, you know, you got to look at the gameplay. Um, you got to look at some like key moments, like was he clutching crucial moments? But for example, Fielder spent half of his time in stage playoffs and the uh, final playoffs this year. He spent playing Moira six hours, uh, um, almost seven hours out of like 16 hours in playoff time. He just spent on Moira and that was Dallas Fuel just like, playing really fast, they were rushing in, he was playing more with his team, and he wasn't really being built around the same level as some of these like very top-tier flex support were built around to really be like the focal point of their team. Um, his Ana is obviously like good, but most of these stats are centered about healing done rather than like uh, damage done or like getting final blows and leading in eliminations, stuff like that, which makes it feel to me like Fielder, obviously he's a good flex support, he's a great flex support even, but he was never like the focal point around Dallas Fuel. That was fearless. That was sparkle, in my opinion. Hanbin obviously was amazing as well. So I had a hard time ranking Fielder higher up because I don't deem him that same peak impact as some of these other flex support in the top 10. I feel like you're underselling how well he played around Moira this past year with Dallas Fuel. I, I might like have dismissed Moira also, a little bit. Also, yeah, like, hate I, for Moira. The Moira <laughs> jail that some people get placed in. Personally, I'm willing to throw him a bit of a throw him a bone because um, Moira obviously is not it's not a hero you can flex on. It's not a hero you can do anything outstanding on, and he was kind of shoehorned into that role. I think because Dallas kind of just went all in on that kind of rush play style because of their um, hero limitations with Xy not being able to play. So like it was just him playing the role of what his team needed at a time. That's fair. When That's we knew point. that he could compete at a high level from previous years on other roles, but. I understand where you're coming from with your point, though. It's it's like we didn't really see much of him flexing that much. He wasn't flexing his muscles in 2021. Yeah, I don't know. I think but it's even more still, I had him high up. So. And also, I feel like even still, a lot of flexport players got shoehorned into Moira and looked atrocious. And yeah. Fielder looked incredible. So, like, sure. Like, part of that is because of team synergy. Like, you can't discount that at all. Uh, but I feel like he was consistently one of the most effective to, like, when we are getting max value out of Coalescence when we were popping it, when we were engaging with it, getting max value out of like his survivability and like hitting the right heals. And like, cause a lot of Moira's like, were not great with holding the resources properly and timing the cooldowns with it. So I don't know. I, I feel like the Moira play definitely loses style points, but it's hard to undersell like how much value it had. So it's, I, I it's kind of shocking. It doesn't make top 10 to me because also I feel like his other heroes are really good. Well, but, he did make you know, top 10. Cause that's why he's an aggregate. No, Johnny, no, well, Johnny's 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 yeah, I know, yeah, I know, his, but. Uh, but it doesn't matter what aggregate. any of our individual lists are because the only thing that matters is the list we've got in front well, of yeah, us. Well, yeah, but well, it's still fun to have conversations about our own individual list, though, right? Like, I <laughs> yeah, we Bren's just trying to defend his future list. I feel like Bren's like... like <laughs> so I didn't I've, got, I've got people high up on my top 10. Been there, you know? Like, Bidotion probably could have been there. There could have been real arguments and he wasn't in my top 10, right? Yeah. So, I've got people in my top 10 and I'm not seeing them yet. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say one thing I want to add to that thing as well. Like I have a, a lot of respect for players who are willing to just like play Moira because as you said, there's a lot of doo-doo Moiras out there in the league. And what they do is when they play Moira and they lose, they like to just blame the stupid hero because it's just so easy, yeah. but it is very difficult to play very well, very <laughs> clean, very safe. And I think Fielder does a great job of that. And I think his other hero that he has played most in the league, Anna, can also be very difficult to see the value that you're getting at times, unless you're hitting the big sleeps or hitting massive bionades, both of which feel to do 
I think it can be easy to overlook those players. Yeah, and I also, I, I don't want one narrative to come out of this flex support rankings to be like, well, to be a great flex support, you have to like get final blows and do hero damage because there's more to the flex support role than just bragging out and being pocketed like Jonak in 2018. It also depends on like what meta are you playing? Uh, and in this case, of course, Fielder, he had to play a lot of Moira because it catered to Dallas Fuel, what they were good at and how they actually got some of those wins. Um, so I guess I'm arguing against myself a little bit. I think Fielder was very difficult to rank personally because of the fact that he did play a lot of Moira um, and his stats mostly show that he was centered about healing and pocketing fearless rather than trying to go aggressive himself. And that's not necessarily um, his individual fault as a player, but just like the play style and environment he was put into. So, um, you know, it was, maybe it was wrong for me to put Fielder out of my top 10 and I'll totally take blame for that. I just personally found him very difficult to rank. Um, because of some of the circumstances he was yeah. put into. Uh, I think his placement's fair. I mean, I, I had him roughly around the spot, so I got no qualms of it. Let's move on. Number six, I believe, we're on for our top 10 flex supports here. This is when it's really going to get uh, a bit messy, <laughs> Dude, I think. I've really got two names that yeah. I have in my top so 10 that I haven't seen yet. I, d I don't know which one they're going to be. Can we, uh, can we roll it? Number, number six it is, I think. Number six of our top 10, it's Twilight. Oh. Okay. Yeah. A rock-solid player on whatever you need him to play while also being one of the best at the role. That's a vast quote, um, and I would completely agree with it. I actually had him way higher, by the way. Way higher. Yep. I am a huge Twilight believer. I am a huge Twilight believer, actually. Uh, I, especially after this past year, but when you think about, think about this man's career, this guy, one of the best players in Korea was Runaway, Comes to 2019, fucking pounds in goats. He goes to 2020 shock. Does you know he he gets he splits playtime with Vi a lot, but still every time he plays looks great, looks fantastic as a specialized auto player. Comes into 2021 where they're having backline issues. Amazing auto player still, amazing brig player can fit that role. Can still play all the other roles historically. Like his hero pool is incredible. His Ana is arguably the best in the league, I'd say. Um, and on top of that, he is just. I don't know. I just feel like the dude just is, he's like a poxy. He just fits, he just fixes everything. He just fixes everything <laughs> in the backline so many times. I, I am a really, really big Twilight fan, actually. I think he has a huge career success pre-Overwatch League 2019, 2020, and 2021. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, they won the league. He, he got second, I should say, 2019. Won the league in 2020. Got still first in regular season 2021 while getting a significant amount of playtime on other roles, too. And his, and like I said, I think his on is probably the best in the league. Um, and yeah. I, I just think he's an oh. incredibly well-rounded, a, a top-tier player that has a huge history of success. I'm in, I'm in an agreement with you, but the unfortunate reality is the reason I didn't have him higher up, I had Twilight around this position, um, because like you said, he's got numerous accomplishments, but he got overshadowed by Violet playing on the shock. It's one of those curses that some players have where they can be fantastic players, but sometimes you just get overshadowed by someone else who's on the team. And yeah, he filled in and they played sometimes a double flex support um, together alongside him, but sometimes it just felt like he was being putting kind of every now and then. He was incredibly consistent every time he was, which is surprising considering he had limited playtime. He was always really fucking good. Um, but for that reason, he, I, I, I can't really rate him that much higher because he didn't see, we, we didn't see him as the primary central figure around the team of the shock when he was playing on them. You know what I mean? He, he was always I'm, I'm alongside Violet. I'm going to tell you something crazy. I'm going to tell you something crazy. I had Violet three? Twilight. 
I had Violet below Twilight. You're, you're Violet Ooh. below Twilight. Yeah. What? Petition to remove a house from the show. You did not put Violet <laughs> below Twilight. No fucking shot. champion. Yep. I mean, I mean, what? Here's, and the reason smoking? I have for that is because I think Violet is a straight-up liability outside of Anna's and, and Bap. I think he's a vi liability. The three of the, like, five years. <laughs> yeah, right? The thing is, Twilight can play everything. Twilight can play everything. Twilight okay. can literally play everything. I think he can play them all. I think, and sure, I don't think his Zin, I don't think his Zin is obviously ever going to be as good as Violet's, and we haven't really seen as much of his Bap's, but I personally believe that Twilight's flexibility is insane. He can play everything at a high level, and Violet's Moira was so bad that it lost him rank it yeah. lost him rank i will say i agree i had twilight uh, actually just below this i had twilight at seven because oh, and the main thing is not because of anything to do with his ability to play the game he just hasn't played enough games for my liking to put him above these other players if he had had a full mainstay starting roster career i think we would be saying he'd be top three top two like pretty easily because he is absolutely nutty his ability to play on the bench right now on the san francisco shock and then just come off the bench and prove that he's still one of the best flex supports in the league is just incredible to me and that's so impressive but for me like as you know as they've said he's overshadowed by violet because violet just gets more play time so i can't give that to him yeah uh, i actually looked up the play time because i wanted to be a reminder about um how much Twilight actually played in 2020 and 2021. So obviously, like, I completely agree that, like, Twilight was, like, uh, was he the best flex support in 2019? Like, with Vancouver Titans? Who who competed for him? Like, was Violet he, was, was really good. Violet was really team. good, because that was his Zin year where he popped the fuck uh, up. Like, yeah. Like, that's what, that's, yeah. like, one thing. Violet, Violet got, in my, most of his points from just his Zin and bat play. Like, yeah. that's where he got, like, if this ranking was only based on, like, Zin, I'd probably have Violet, like, number one, potentially. But... It's not. Yeah. So. so Twilight 2018 on Runaway and then Vancouver Titans with 2019. Amazing. Like top of the fucking line flex supports that we've ever had in the league. And I completely agree with Brand that like if Twilight had seen more play, if he had been like the premier flex support player on one of these teams and really like showcased to us what he could be doing, he would have been like top five easily. Top four, top three maybe. Um, but I looked at the play time and in 2020... He had two hours and 20 minutes playtime on the San Francisco Shock. That's less than Boombox replacing Alarm in 2020. That's less than Rolf, Luffy replacing Isayaki on Shanghai Dragons. And it's less than Hailey from the Lone Spitfire. So like two hours and 20 minutes in 2020. Um, sorry, that's not enough for me. 2021, he played one hour and 10 minutes in the playoff. 30 minutes of Baptiste, that was pretty bad, and 30 minutes of good Ana. So, like, he didn't play. That is the main takeaway from Twilight here. In 2020 and 2021, yes, we saw him sub in with the regular season this year, you know, figuring out FD God, figuring out, you know, Violet playing main support and Twilight playing some flex support and playing the Ana. But, like, they didn't make any stage playoffs this year, uh, and they had a generally decent good run in the end of season playoffs but twilight like really wasn't part of that end of season run anyway he didn't really contribute to that for the san francisco shock so i i couldn't rank him higher i had him seventh at costa because i i just wish he would have played more yeah i uh 
I'm happy with where he is in six. I mean, yeah. I have a seven, so. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I'm, I'm an, I am straight up, I'll just own it. I am a huge, I am. Yeah, you're a, twi we get it. You're a Twilight simp, and you, we're going to see at the end of the episode how high you had him, and we're all going to laugh at you, and we're going to laugh at everybody. <laughs> so, you're going to be pissed. Oh, I have Twilight. You're let's see number five. I, I still have names that I haven't seen, but I don't think I'm going to see them at this point, so I'm wondering what the hell is going to be the top five. Let's Chip actually. Uh, no, actually. I mean, you'll see at the end. I'm, I don't want to spoil it. Let's let's roll. Let's roll with number five. Let's roll with number five. See who it is. Number five is uh, Shu, uh, okay. one of the most clutch flex support players to have played the game and uses Batiste in ways that no one else can. That's your quote, Johnny. And yeah, I mean, undeniable, honestly, off of what we've seen, especially some of the most iconic clips that have come out of any flex support player um, off the back of Shu. Yeah, I mean. His performance in 2021, the way he carried, I mean, it was pretty reminiscent of Jonak in 2018 and like the things that Bedosian did at the peak of his powers. But like Shu, I, he's one of the cases where I'm like kind of sad that we only really got like two seasons out of him in Overwatch 1. Like we didn't get to see this guy in like in Apex at all. We didn't get to see him in like the inaugural seasons. And uh, it, it's a shame because it was so fucking good. The way, the, so clutch he is on this hero. The way he utilizes Batiste offensively, finds picks, uh, turn team fights around. No one else can do, do this. Like no one in the league can play Batiste at the level uh, that he can. And like without him clutching it out against the San Francisco Shock in that stage qualifier for the Countdown Cup, mm -hmm. I mean. They, they, the gladiators they Multiple wouldn't times. have made the stage playoffs and then he also clutched up against the Chengdu Hunters when they needed it most in the actual stage finals itself yep. I mean the guy is an absolute beast and part of the reason like that the gladiators were competitive this end of season playoffs and there was a thread up on Reddit just a couple of days ago that was like you know who could have competed with the Shanghai Dragons and um Coach Brad from the Atlanta Reign, you know, he, you know, engages with the community at times. And he was like, Gladiators was one of those teams that like kind of underperformed in the playoffs because they were the only ones who could compete with this aggressive style that the Shanghai Dragons played in the 2021 playoffs. And Shu was such a massive part of that for the Gladiators. Like, obviously, they have many great players on this team, but Shu, his offensive capabilities at the flex support role is just like phenomenal. So I rated Shu very highly. I had him number six on my list. Um, probably should have been five, to be honest. You know, uh, wish I would have ranked him higher. Uh, amazing flex support. Yeah, I, I think I agree with everything Johnny said. Gladiators was the one team that I think could go pound to pound with the Shanghai Dragons with all their roles. They just couldn't string it together. And I think Shu was the body of that, especially when like the Gladiators were doing Gladiators thing and like underperforming. Shu just somehow found a way to just flip a switch and just like win a team fight on his own which is very difficult to do on flex support from time to time especially with the way the game is played now i i'll be honest coming into like the end of the, like half of the way through the season i was like dude, i think shu was overrated i think he had a really bad front half of um 2021 or at least especially in the main melee just like adapting to what was happening with the gladiators and i wasn't really impressed with what you know he was good on the guangzhou charge mm -hmm. but i wasn't putting him in my top five all-time list. But the end of the season, you, you can say without a doubt that he is one of the best to play the game and one of the best to ever touch Baptiste as well. Yeah, I, I, had, him, I had him high up. I had him at number three. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, Whoa. I had him I had him high up because watching this POV, again, I'm just reminded of how smart this guy is. You genuinely, you need to fucking overclock your brain to be playing at this kind of speed and tempo and making these decision makings. Like, it, it's, it's insane. The, the, the way the guy moves around the entire map, the way he's making these clutch plays, the decision making to, you know, save the immortality field here, background this corner here, has the 
uh, you know, the amp matrix to just pop around the corner and potentially clutch up, just everything being taken into account. But he was one of the core reasons why Gladiators made it so far. And he did it in the most competitive year yet when it comes to flex support play honestly where it's really being refined to its peak um he was there as the centerpiece honestly for the gladiators i mean you can look at a lot of the players on the gladiators i've got a in this year of 2021 the dps line obviously being stellar and carrying them so far on top of it but god damn did you have some iconic moments i mean the guy is up there really he truly truly was i mean maybe i had him a little bit too high but it like i said at the end of the day our top 10 rankings it all evens out i think five is a great place for shoe I was with you, Bryn. I had him in top three. I had him yeah. in top three as well because I think his time on charge was more than good. I thought it was great. Oh, yes. I thought yeah. he was an incredible player with charge. He was amazing I also think on the charge. I was very plugged in with contenders, by the way. And his career pre-Overwatch League, like with the Toronto Esports level, now granted, it wasn't like a high-level gameplay. But even back then, the man was a freak of beast. He was a, he was a legitimate just nutcase. Like I think I think his mechanics are probably... I think his mechanics are legitimately it's hard to, there's only a select few players that can even come close to his level of mechanics definitely it's his game sense and positioning at times that i think that hurt him like going into the higher echelons and also just not being in the league quite as long and winning but um i i do feel like overall his raw talent combined with the fact that once again another player with a great hero pool also can has huge impact and huge impact plays while which is you know even as flex support hard to do at times um I do think that he is just amazing. I think he's an incredible player. I think he has so much more room to give too, uh, like in his career moving forward beyond this. But obviously this is not for Overwatch 2, it's for Overwatch 1. So it doesn't really matter in regards to that. But I do think that he is just an insane talent. And one that if he had just been in the year, the league, like if he had been in the league like a year sooner, he'd probably be like in contingent. Like I think he'd be squarely in contingent for top three, like yeah. universally. And maybe wouldn't have been cracking the number one or two spot. So... Mm. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's really important to remember like how good it was on the charge. And I looked up some of the the stuff as well, like when Guangzhou beat Shanghai Dragons in that summer showdown finals or whatever. And like people unanimously were just like Shu just like outplayed the Shanghai Dragons backline. And like there's not a lot of players in the league who can like say that or prove that um, in game that they they just like they they. They beat the Shanghai Dragons. Like they just straight up outplayed the Shanghai Dragons. Not a lot of players can say that. And Shu was one of those players who was part of a Guangzhou Charge team that obviously, like Krong, had an amazing season 2020. Uh, you know, they had Happy on their team. Like there were some good players on Guangzhou Charge, but it was not a super stacked lineup. Uh, but Guangzhou were able to take down the Shanghai Dragons because Shu was just so dominant, uh, dominant at flex support uh, for that team. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. Well, I have a couple of names I still haven't seen. And I don't think I'm going to see them. Oh I don't think I'm going to see them because there's some big names that we're missing still. So roll it on. I'm confused. Number four. I'm very confused what names you could be even thinking about. Outside number the four. It is going to be... What? Jonak. Yeah. Number four? Jonak at number four. A consistently strong career with one of the biggest flex support diffs in 2019. That's Scott's quote. You are shocked to see him in number four. I, I had Jonak at number five. Holy shit! Jonak at number one. This person, Jonak in season one was just 
unplayable against. He literally was just so good. He somehow would just get like three picks going into a fight as Zenyatta. And then I know that like the defense that everyone's going to have of why he should be lower on the list is because he hasn't had as good of a season, but I would say he, he hasn't, hasn't had a, had a team around him. Yes. Like even in like season two, it was goats and he was good in goats. It's just the rest of his team didn't know how to play it. And even then he was still putting up performance after performance. But I think you need to put respect on the name of what happened earlier and still appreciate that even on bad teams, he's having good performances. Like I'm so, I'm really surprised he went all the way down to number four because I think he has a lot of accolades under his name of just being better than everyone else in 2018. That to me was like the standout thing. Like he was the best in the game by like head and shoulders. Bedosum was close, but not even that close compared to everyone. And then there was a big gap between those two as well. So maybe that's where I'm putting all the weight in, in the early seasons, but sure. yeah. yeah. You know, the season that you played in, I see where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, so, well, every, everything comes. Main support cluster, <laughs> talking about After 2019, nothing else matters. <laughs> I, Avast has that smirk about him that he's about to like disagree or say something that I'm concerned <laughs> about. So before Avast does that, okay, let me just bring some, you know, uh, room temperature takes to the room here. So, um, I mean, I completely agree with Scott. I put Jonak at number three in my list. Uh, he was borderline number two because he was so uh, great at Ana and Sen. Um, I mean, first things first, like Jonak is the only support player to have ever won MVP in the Overwatch League. Since there on out, it's been Sinatra, Fleta, and this year it was Leave for the Chengdu Hunters. And I guess the closest someone came was like Violet, uh, almost borderline alarm, like top three in, in 2020. But Jonek was like clear cut best player in the league uh, at flex support role. And that was so unique. That was so rare. Um, he was that good at Ana and Senyara. I remember um, there was that funny time in like 2018, 2019, when literally every player and like every um, analyst, coach, whatever, they would just tune in to Jonak's stream to watch him play yeah. ranked, like play Ana and Sen. And they would just look at his stream like mesmerized. It was not like, haha, funny Jonak stream, you know, good memes or whatever. Like people would just look, watch at Jonak's stream in Korean and just like be blown away by the shit he did in ranked. Like the way he played, like the positioning from him, the ability usage, like the cooldown timings. It was so picture perfect it was like fucking watching art just like performed in front of you like it, it was robotic it was like watching the best ai just like have figured out like someone like, like figured out chess or like cards or whatever like he fucking ran the numbers live on stream <laughs> and you would just wa sit there with your jaw down just like holy shit i can't believe jonak is pulling this shit off in ranked he was on that level. Like everyone would tune into his stream because he was so fucking good. He was god tier. That is how good Jonak was in 2018 and 2019. And mm -hmm. the one reason why I didn't put him at number two, put him at number one, which again, you could be like Custom and say like he didn't have the team around him, which is a very perfectly valid argument. But we didn't really see the same level of performances from him on Batiste or Moira in the later stages, 2020, 2021. Um, but it was very hard for me to put him at number three. I wanted to put him at number two, um, but I don't think he quite earned that because he was pretty much only really great at Anans and Yara in like a top three kind of way um, throughout his career. Yeah. What's your smirk? What's your yeah, smirk, come on. Connor? Tell us what you got. I think his un... I think it is 
definitely correct that he is legitimately was the best player in season one. So he automatically earned a top 10 status just because of that. Automatically earned it because top he was 10. literally, he was, he was the best player in season one. He has not even been close. I don't think he's, I, I think he had a good 20, a very good 2019. He was a great player still. I don't think his 2020 or 2021 warranted him to even touch the top five. So uh, that's my personal opinion. I didn't like his hero pool. I didn't like his play that much. I think part of that probably comes into like the team aspect. But 2018 was four years ago. Four year, it does matter. Why it does it matter? It does. It, because it, you should deserve to be a top tier player if you have an incredible performance four years ago. But if you're not the best player for the next three years, how the fuck are you competing for the top three role? Uh, that's that is the the issue I came up on when how I was trying to run. How the fuck are you going to top three? You're not even close to the best player. Because every player in this every player in this top ten watched Jonak play the game back then. He defined how to play Zen from 2018. Oh, exactly oh, what Johnny sure, said. Sure, and he should be a top ten player. But that's like saying that like an old retired NFL coach should be the best player in the game because everyone learned how to no, play from their coach. If that if that coach was a fucking great like played a season where he won the MVP and like absolutely dominated a he season, then you've got to talk because we're talking about old time. We're not talking about him and his recent friends. I got other I, players that continue to play that have I, great performances. And Jonak, I accept that I could be biased. One it might be too high for Jonak because I agree that he has had performance. But I'm just like, as I said, anything relevant to when I was playing, I just sort of glorify. Like, but, but with, yeah, but with that said, I think <laughs> he was just so influential in the role, and that's why I, I put him there. But I, I, I see your points. I see your points. Where, where did you put him? Where did you put I him? I just want to know. I had him at tenth. Oh, that's so long. That's way too long. I can yeah, no, nah, that's way too long. You put him over fucking you you put him over Iris? Under Iris? Uh yeah. But under Bedosin? Dude, I mean No, not under Bedosin. You didn't have Bedosin, that's right. Okay. I didn't have Bedosin at all. You put uh, I, Iris, who's played 80% of one season in Overwatch yeah. League, over Jonak. Yeah. Yeah. How do you justify yeah. that? How do I, I just think Iris is a better player. For, I think Iris it's is okay because than... the law of averages means that it works out. I think, kind of. I think Jonak, had, I think if you take 2018 and 2019, Jonak should be at the top, like top three, top maybe one or two for sure. But the past. Iris years, wasn't even in the league back then. Like, what do you like? I mean, I, I personally just don't think you can't take one year and justify four years and put it like there's four years of okay, this history. There's, there's a middle ground to be reached here. One year is and the only year. There's a middle ground to be reached here. Yeah. The, Jonak achieved something that no one else really did, as he said, a, a support player as an MVP, also in his rookie year, also in the inaugural season. People learn of him. He was an innovator. But he never really achieved the highest accomplishments of like a championship. Came close to it, but not really achieved any accomplishments. So I, I was like, okay, well, like, you're going to get deducted there. But definitely an innovator, definitely had peak performance at the time relative to everybody else. He was setting the pace, which is, again, astounding. Um, I mean, getting MVP, again, an accomplishment. But it, it, I've described this before, but there's a curse that applies to some of these players. Same with when I think of Kariv. Sometimes you are just, unfortunately, on a bad team. And despite being a really rock-solid player, your circumstances mean that you're not going to get to showcase it. So, Jonak, for me, I put him in fifth. I mean, if he was on a better team, if he had actually accomplished and actually won titles um, outside of, like, 2018, like, any sort of stage titles whatsoever, we'd be talking, you know? It's, it's hard to, to quantify it. I mean, 
I understand where you guys are coming from, rating him so highly, because literally, he was the only thing we were talking about in 2018 was Jonak. Like, he was the storyline. He was, in some cases, the face of the Overwatch League back then as well. I just remember we would have story meetings, and every time we'd, every time we'd be watching New York play, which was 40 fucking matches in 2018, by the way, by the way, 40 matches during the season. Every time we'd be watching New York, we would be <laughs> talking about Jonak every single time, because he was, he was just, he was setting the pace. He was the one who was outshining everyone else. But I agree with Connor's point that it's um, it, it's keeping that consistency over long periods of time. And the unfortunate reality is, even if he is a really, really rock solid player, the fact that he kind of was just not set up to succeed by the fact that his team wasn't very good does drag him down in my mind. I, I think four is very reasonable for him in, in the overall rankings. Uh, I had a, And also on top of that, I... I also think him winning the MVP is a singular event, but I don't think he would be like the ever, like there are plenty of other candidates that could have won MVP that are flex sport players. They just didn't because DPS is more popular. Like just because he won MVP doesn't, like the, the cool part is that he was the best player in the league. The MVP part is kind of irrelevant because there are tons of other flex sports, I would say in the other years that are MVP caliber. It's just, they have a huge popularity competition they have to go against. So mm. I don't think the MVP thing carries that much weight. It only carries weight because he was the clearly only choice for it that year. While yeah. other years, the level of competition is so high, there are so many good flex supports that uh, there are so many the other players thing here that is, I could put to win. Is how he's got, ranking things compared to me. He's ranking But this is what's interesting, is we've all got different ways of how we're weighing up these yeah. players and ranking it. And it's very interesting that, Johnny, you had a Jonak at number one as well, right? No, I, I did not. I have a number three. Number three? So you've got, yeah. I mean, I had him at number five, but even still, you've got like, you, you and Scott are rating him pretty highly. And Avast is way on the other end of the spectrum of weighing him, like, just at the, the base level of the top 10s. But, yeah, I mean, how it all... I, <laughs> I see, I, I read people at their peak. Like, I, I, like, I yeah. always think of, like, when they're the greatest of all time, I think about when they were at their best. That's why I had Bedosin uh, on this list. That's why I had everything. Like, as much as I do take into account, like, their other seasons and all that kind of stuff, I always think of people at their best. And when that thing... And because... Jonak was so defining of that era. So that's why I think it's interesting how Connor thinks of it as like, when you wear at your best doesn't matter if the rest of your career doesn't, is average. Right? Yeah, and also I put it in context of like, if you were the best when everyone was really bad, it's just, I mean, it just carries less weight. It just carries less weight to me. It doesn't mean that you don't but deserve, relative to the time, to be on the list. Relative to the time. Relative to the time, he, everyone else is at the same, it's not like... Uh, the the play the level of play in 2021 is built off the shoulders of giants from 2018 onwards like the innovation that people carry that's i agree with scott's point in terms of thinking about players relative to their time because the skill level is at the the, the ceiling is like at a certain point and some players just exceed it at the time you can't expect them to hold a candle to the players in 2021 because i mean they've had so much I more mean, to yeah, learn and that's why my ranking accounts for the fact that like they deserve to be in the top of the list it's just i'm ranking them holistically based off like just how crazy good they are to the game. And Jonak was like, overall, like, I don't, I also don't think Jonak, in a, I don't think he, past season one, he didn't really push his own boundaries. His hero pool didn't get stronger. I personally didn't think. because we played goats. Yeah. But also, but we had two other years. We had two other years of non-goats. Yeah. Did you see the rosters that he was playing but, on? I mean, yeah, I didn't it's... think his teams were good, but if I didn't even particularly like his gameplay. Now, also, it's really hard. It is really hard for like support players and main tanks to kind of differentiate like your play from the team it is because like if you're not getting the correct comps 
if you're not getting the correct support, if you're not like, it, it's hard for you as a player, especially in like a backline or a main tank role to look good. But I personally don't think Jonak, he, he, he's essentially the gifted and talented kid where he was so fucking good when he was young that he didn't develop further. <laughs> he peaked and he didn't we, develop any This is going to be the most that. controversial episode of the top 10 rankings, I think. And, I, and I think, I, that's just how I believe. I think he's a really good player still. I think he's a solid player. I think his current play still, besides even a season one, he would probably still be a top 10 player. It's just, he just didn't develop past season. I'm, I'm, I'm just in a, in a huge state of relief because th this pretty much certifies that I will not have the most Pepega ranking out of all of us this well, episode. <laughs> I mean, I mean you had the best, you had the best player of Overwatch 1 is the one that was good four years ago? That's let's, crazy. Let's that's roll on number three. Me. I want to move that's on. We're, we're running in circles with this. We're running in circles. Number three of our top 10 flex supports of all time is going to be going to Alarm. Well-deserved, I think. Alarm is the best all-round flex support ever. He had no holes in his game and could carry from any hero a true legend. And that is and Sideshow's quote. That sounds like I mean, number one from Sideshow. Yeah, it does yeah, sound like possibly. a number one from Sideshow. I mean, yeah, what, what a player Alarm was, man. I mean, the circumstances, unfortunately, like in the final season of his, of his play, being... I mean, Fusion just kind of getting absolutely owned in terms of the logistics, but undeniable was this guy's skill. Like, his, his peak, honestly, I felt like we, we hadn't even touched yet, which is the saddest part of his passing in a certain sense, is that, you know, we, we really were robbed of this guy. But, I mean, this guy is... His play was just magnificent to watch. Yeah, he, he never had a bad season, which is, I think, the impressive thing about him, especially with the ups and downs of Philly. Like he was just absolutely incredible at what he yeah. did. And as as Sideshow said, his flexibility, he could play any hero. And I would I would just be like, sounds good to brig. me. Like, his brig was amazing. Anything that Philly required of him, he picked it up. And that's that's something that a lot of flex supports could do. So you, you need to absolutely do it. Obviously, the biggest tragedy of you know Alarm's career is that he just never had he never won anything, which yeah. is you know Philly's career as well. So it's just like really disappointing under under that guys. But if you're talking, you know, from a vast perspective of like you need to be good for the whole four years and you need to be relevant in the most recent times, Alarm embodies that as well. So absolutely incredible player. Yeah. His uh the fact that he could flex to so many different heroes like you already covered it's like so mesmerizing like at, at the time when he um god was it 2020 summer showdown or something when he started playing brig instead of funny astro and or something like that i can't remember exactly when that was but like at the time that was something that was relatively um unheard of in the overwatch league obviously now in 2021 we like look at someone like skewed or like, well, skewed, you know, it's it's amazing that he can come in and fill Brig and uh, play Brig uh, at a really high level. I think prior to Alarm flexing in to play Brig as a flex support and doing it better than any main support in the league, no one had really done that to such a high degree uh, of skill. And that really speaks volumes about how flexible Alarm was as a player, um, how he played the game, how he, his a game IQ, um, and how he could really visualize how to play all these heroes in different manners and get the most effectiveness out of them. Um, I had him number four. I kind of wish he was in my top three, but like the top four is so stacked yeah, that mm -hmm. you really can't go wrong to some sense. Um, I think ranking along number four, I really just want to like elevate him with my words and really just like praise him and give him his respect for how freaking good he was. In many ways, he was like, you know, if um 
I almost look at Alarm as like the second coming of Jonak to some sense, because like he came off of Jonak's very dominant 2018 season. That was when Alarm was just like beasting at the contenders with uh, Fusion Academy. And then Fu uh, Alarm was elevated into league when he turned of age, of course, and then just started playing Ana and Senyara at a level that some of the best flex supports of our in our history has ever done like he came into his rookie year in 2019 obviously won the rookie of the year title and he was in mvp conversation in his first year as an 18 year old comparing to like violet and um mm -hmm. Blera. like it was uh, absolutely amazing no am i getting that wrong yeah it was 2020 sorry right mvp i was uh, mvp consideration 2020 uh his second year in the league um Am I getting this completely backwards? Uh, dude, the years blend together no, 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 for me. I'm lost. The years yeah, blend yeah. together, yeah. Um, the years blend together. 2019, and then Alarm was 2020. 2020. Oh, I believe. No, Alarm was in the league was in 2019, 2019, right? He, did he, he play in 20... did Boombox play that? No, I, I think it was Boombox no, no, yeah, playing in 2019. Play Contenders was 2019. 2019, he was playing. Yeah, no, he came into 2020. Yeah, he was in 2021 because he was still playing with Fusion University. So, but I mean, yeah. But he came into 2020 and earned Rookie of the Year. And almost uh, yeah, like won an sense, uh, MVP yeah. title. Like he was top three MVP consideration in my eyes, um, you know, with Fled and Violet because he was that freaking good. And to an 18 year old to come into the league and play Ana and Senyara at such a high level and then being able to flex over to Brigitte, Batiste, like Alarm could really do it all. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's a legend, fantastic player. I mean, this guy is like, it, I mean, when you think he was in the top five for me and honestly, it was my top five was like almost interchangeable. Like it's so yeah. hard once you get at this level of competition to like really make object, like really, truly scientific, objective reasonings. Like, and the reality for alarm is that if you told me that you, someone put this guy at number like two or three or one, even I'd be like, okay, sure. Right. Like, I'd be like, fine. Like he's so good. So well-rounded. It's just he didn't have enough time in the league to put him higher, um, sadly. And also, he was never put on, like, a team environment, uh, especially in the most recent season that he played, to where he could truly show off, like, huge, incredible success. Mm -hmm. uh, like, he didn't have, like, the right team environment. So, like, if he had had, like, a shock or maybe, like, a Vancouver or a Titans 2019 type of thing, like, who knows uh, where, where he would be, in, like, where definitive he would be. But I think that... If someone wants to tell me this guy was the best flex support in the league, I'd be like, sure. Yeah, I'd be like, sure. Why not? Um, yeah. But he, he didn't. He didn't quite, quite get that like super super high for me just because he didn't have enough data. Um, yeah, the, I mean, yeah, didn't didn't quite reach the accomplishments. You know. And also on top of that, I feel like uh, um, I don't know. There were times where like I feel like uh, I feel like his he would kind of try to fall into that play that hero making like hero play mentality just because his team would lose and he would try to do something. But that wasn't very often. I think overall he was just an incredible incredible player. Uh, one of the best in the game. Yeah. And sure. I do want to say as well, sorry, Brent, you were about to say something. I, I think out of all these like top 10 lists, like I think Alarm was the most universally loved and appreciated player out of all these because, you know, there are some flex support players who are like troubled past, you know, whether it's like they were a bad teammate or, you know, there was some controversy or, you know, like they were being sat out, um, you know, showed some kind of attitude. Like, everyone just loved alarm like they really did um he he was such a in, an incredible teammate uh so much fun everyone rooted for alarm like everyone wanted alarm to win with the philadelphia fusion and overcome that curse that uh the fusion struggled with not being able to win in any stages mm -hmm. or playoffs um 
because Alarm was such a mesmerizing player and everyone genuinely rooted for him to uh, achieve and be successful. Yeah. Without a doubt, definitely carved his place in the top 10 uh, list for the flex supports in Overwatch 1. Uh, and obviously, he's going to be uh, sorely missed as well moving forwards into, into Overwatch 2. But he definitely holds his place there in our top 10. Let's, uh, let's move on to number 2 for our top 10 flex support players here. Number 2 and number 1 coming up. Number 2, I mean, there's, there's two names that are missing so far. I don't think I'm going to be seeing the name that I missed off my top 10, which was Monk in the top 2 and Ooh. 1. But uh, we'll I, see. I didn't actually. I think I actually I had Monk and we'll Faraway. Okay. I think Let's, Monk and Faraway both in my top ten because I thought they were incredible. We could talk about it after after when we look at our lists over totality. But here's number two of our top ten flex support players of all time. Number two is Baby. going to be Izayaki, oh. and. <laughs> This is a quote from Sideshow. Izayaki has a cupboard full of trophies, all while being the solo flex support for Shanghai Dragons. Quiet, but deadly and flexible. And I, you know what? I completely agree with this. I'll say... I'd my, describe him like a fart. I mean, <laughs> he did describe him as a fart, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, the, the crazy... The, I mean, Izayaki, here's the thing about Izayaki, is he was never overly flashy, but my God, was the guy consistent. And I remember his early career in 2019 as well, and the mechanics were always there, but whether it was the team environment he was in or just he hadn't really developed the intelligence yet, but he's absolutely got it now. Like, seeing him play in the most recent year, this guy fits the bill exactly for what the Dragons need. I mean, you have a backline that is so threatening when you have Lee Jae-on being able to make plays and hold that risk and reward play style and on a knife's edge. You need Izayaki to be the stable core to, that you can always just rely on. The guy puts out immense damage. The Discord Orb's always in the right place, following up on all of the pressure that his team makes. The guy is a freak and a champion. Yeah, I, I'll speak to the uh, to the 2019 season because like, you know I was I was there, and yeah. the, the reality is is mechanics were always there. Like the coaches and the players saw it, and you're just like, dude, this kid's nuts. Like he just every now and then he just kills everyone. You're like, the thing is, and the inherent problem that he had was that he couldn't communicate, and you could see him getting frustrated trying to like describe and communicate and tell like people like what's going on. But he's a young guy living in a foreign country, unable to communicate with a lot of his teammates because Valiant was mainly Western back then. Um, and yeah, and I think that's why he struggled. It was awesome to see him go to the Shanghai Dragons and just get the success that he really deserves. He's absolutely nutter. And as much as Bren says he's not like always like that like super high clutch this re most recent season the Izayaki used his transcendence like a fade I feel like where he'd just go aggressive and then transcendence whenever he got caught out and I think his Zenyatta is just like one of the craziest things to me uh, absolutely deserves of a high position spot I didn't have him this high because I think this is like the inverse of what we're talking about Jonak of like his success is on the Shanghai Dragons and it's always hard to measure when he's on like you're on a really bad team or a really really good team so, um, but yeah, Izayaki definitely deserves to be in the top three. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to that as well. I think in hindsight, I could have, I had Izayaki at number two, but I think I could have bumped Alarm or Jonak uh, above Izayaki. I, I think it's just so hard, like what you just spoke to, that Izayaki was so successful with the Dragons in 2020 and 2021. And, you know, from talking to you as well, like, acknowledged pretty early on that like Isayaki was a special talent even in like uh when he joined the Valiant in like late 2018 and 2019 um like he was already really talented then Ren's just yeeted off the screen um but it's like he, he's truly special but I think he was elevated to two in my rankings because of his success with the Shanghai Dragons and I mean at times he was 
incredibly instrumental to their success. You know, for example, in the um, uh, not counting the summer showdown when Shanghai Dragons won the summer showdown this year, like it, it turned into the Senyata meta, and Isayaki was there. He was available and was the best Senyata player. Um, you know, Monk was very competitive on Chengdu Hunters um, as well in that playstyle, but Isayaki just turned it on, and he was like, okay. Fate, you know, you played Wrecking Ball in um, in the June Joust and, you know, Flera, you're always carrying with Lit, etc. But like, Sanyara, th this is my meta. Now it's my time to be the star player of this team. And he really delivered on that sense uh, because Isayaki, he's just like so incredibly good. So he was very successful with the Shanghai Dragons and he definitely contributed to their success because he was so good at his role. So I found it hard to knock him down from the number two spot um, with all those things considered. But it's very hard not for me to put Jonak or Alarm above him, but yeah, I ended up not to. I think they're all interchangeable. Two, yeah, two three, four there. Yeah, it's really hard to differ. But I, I think for me, uh, Izuyaki gets a lot of praise because it was clear from the beginning when he entered the league that he was, his mechanics were out of this world. Um, and I think also his hero pool was good too. Uh, his Ana was really good. Like we didn't see much of like besides his Ana and Zin at times, but when you saw glimpses of it, it was very, very solid. Uh, I think his hero pool was great. I think uh, he was arguably... I find it weird that you say that he wasn't that flashy, because I think he was one of the flashiest players in the league. He would just consistently get 3Ks, like, all the time. <laughs> um, and so... And to me, that's, like, the definition... Of, like, sure, he doesn't have, like, a meteoric, like, extinction-level event where he gets a 6K, but, like, he just consistently got 3Ks. He consistently killed half the team. Like, that's crazy to me. That's insane from a support perspective to kill half the team consistently. And put out just ridiculous damage. Um, so I actually ended up having... It was a tough choice. Because like I said, the top five, in my opinion, it's a point where you can make the argument any way, for the most part. Aside for Jonak, for me. But like, <laughs> I guess Jonak's not. But like, I think at the top five, you can make the argument that any of them could be like number one. And I'd be like, uh, you know, sure. But I actually had it as my number one. Um, because mm. I think his 2020 and 2021 were such high impact and showed that he had pretty good flexibility too. That I think he did because it's just hard to find that many support players that were really competing with that, other than like, you know, like your violets, your alarms type of situation, your shoes, uh, that were like just so incredibly mechanically gifted and getting so much impact. But also, and it, like, again, the situation is like, where do you disentangle the team element, right? And it's just, but the, the clear part is, I think his 2019, because he was so good on Valiant mechanically that it's clear that he earned a spot because you know his mechanics are that good. You know his mechanics are nutty. And I think his game sense is really solid too. He had very good, because he was able to like, it's kind of like lip with EMPs because he farmed Trance so fast. He had no, that was me hitting my desk. You had no problem <laughs> uh, just popping them to get value often and be really aggressive with Trance and like pop a Discord and go in. Uh, and I think having that sort of aggressive mindset and the mechanics to back it up along with the communication with your team uh, which is what Custer talked about moving to the Shanghai after Valiant helped allowing him to communicate easier. It, it was clear he understood his role at an incredibly high level um, and while having the mechanics to also do things that he wanted. So mm -hmm. I think a number one spot for him, but you, like I said, I think it's, you could potentially interchange it with a lot of different players and I wouldn't be necessarily mad, but I think he was just so consistently impactful and so incredibly cute and made such incredibly good plays often that I had him in number one. Mm. No. Yeah. Uh, I was listening as well when I was away. I was just filling up my water. And yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I, 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 when I think of Izayaki, I think of 
like you said, Scott, the 2019 early years of just mechanically the guys shine through. It's interesting as well, you you know, from the inside perspective, you're saying about the communication just not being there. But you could yeah, you hard. could tell just the difference making it made having him surrounded by the elite team that was the Shanghai Dragons. Like it 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 brought him above and beyond. Like he went from a great player to an elite player. Um, and yeah, I had him at number two as well. So I'm happy with his placement. And without further ado, I think it's time for our top player I'm of about all to time yell. of all flex supports. Number one, I yo. don't think it's going to be Monk, but I think I know no. who it is. I Let's think I know who it is too. Roll it. Number one of our top 10 flex support players. It's got to be Violet, and it is Violet. And it's my quote as well. Best of the best. Two-time champion and one of the core central pieces of the Shock War Machine back when they looked strongest. Um, and yeah, this guy just... Honestly, accomplishments, skill level playing roles. I know you guys would discredit him saying he couldn't play a variety of roles. I completely agree as well. I think the Shock ran into issues where as well they tried to build around Violet a little bit too much. The Violet DPS was quite cursed in some ways. The guy's definitely skilled, but in some ways they were blinded by this guy's brilliance and tried to just use him in everything, which I don't think was ever wise when, when it comes to that kind of decision making. But undeniably, this guy on the flex support was a freak, especially his Zen. I mean, he has achieved something that nobody else really has, the back-to-back -back championships, which is, um, you know, you got, you got to give credit on the name there. And um, he just has played at a high level for most of his career, if not all of it. He has all the makings of, of a top player in my mind, and that's why he carved out that number one spot. Okay. So... Uh-oh. I have uh -oh. Violet at number three, so let me preface it with that. He is an incredible player. He is, at definition, one of the main reasons that the San Francisco Shock had success in 2019 and 2020. He is mechanically insane. He has shown he can play DPS, support. Honestly, he can probably play tank, let's be realistic. One of the most mechanically talented players to play the game. With that said, he is not flexible at all because he played he doesn't play anna they've literally brought an architect to play anna over violet they brought in twilight they signed another flex support to play anna over violet they his baptiste's most recent season had some tragic moments like really bad his understanding of when he can flank when he can use abilities seemed way off and cost san francisco shock a lot of issues i think he had a really poor season so I, I'm really confused why we still have him at number one when we had some like really like, you know, alarm we talked about has been consistent and great throughout the time. So I obviously he has the accolades, but it goes back to what I said about Iziaki of he's a great player on a great team and he really should be. But did he individually elevate them to the highest level on multiple heroes to make him the greatest of all time flex support of Overwatch 1? I don't no. think that's fair. And then yeah, the answer so. is just straight up. The no, I don't think no. he should be number one. The answer is straight up. No, I had him at number four. Dude, yeah, what even, is I, like, wrong with you guys? He literally can't two heroes. He yeah, bro, he can't play, play just two heroes. heroes. His Anna got way better as, as the season went on. He, he, but still I, wasn't even his Anna playtime would be he below two even, hours. I think he wasn't even it's close gotta to be number low. one at Anna, and he was abysmal at Moira. I don't know and the his numbers. Was I don't know the numbers. His Moira wasn't great. Agreed, but. The, it's undeniable the guy's accomplishments, the weight of that. Back-to-back -back championships. He, on Zen, on Zen. Is, yes, Oops. of course on Zen, but we're talking... There's some players we've got in our top tens who have only played one role for one season and they, they're high up. Like, yeah, and that's why he gets to go up to top, top five. Being he's so top three, yeah, for me. Like, I, he yeah, won I, on one euro, I'm but he not, shouldn't be number one. At the end of the day, 
the machine learning algorithm that Kurt has created never lies, and Violet is the best player of all time when it comes to flex support. And I agree with well, the, the machine learning is it algorithm. Lie because I had him at number one. From like Matthew Morello, that's the problem. I want to know. Yeah, I want to know where everybody else had Violet then, because this this is Johnny. What did what what what, are you, what is your thoughts on this? Where did you have the guy? Um. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking up. I'm looking up stats here, trying to see like if. Violet deserves all of this slander, or if he's actually like really what good. I can understand that it's a he's very slender. He's still top three. He's still great, I, yeah. right? Like he's a top. He's a top I didn't five look at, player. I didn't look at the numbers at all. I don't I, listen. Stats in Overwatch, I view the same way as like astrology, where it's like, uh, <laughs> like you're you're rubbing rose quartz to try and define the numbers. It's just you, I don't think it's gonna work. You know what I mean? Like the 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 game, I think you can derive a lot more from just watching it, and I think. Everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth from Violet because of the circumstances that the coaching staff at a shock put him in. As much as I big up the coaching staff, I think when Krusty was left to his devices, when Junkbuck and 9K uh, left to go to other teams, Krusty was a bit in over his head when it comes to the decision-making of who he should put in and what comps to run. And I think that dragged him down. But again, I just, I cannot get out of my mind that this guy's accomplishments are insane. He is back-to-back -back champion. He is, I mean, I fucked up the grammar of that then. I sometimes forget to speak English, but he is a back-to-back -back champion and his mechanics can't be denied as well on top of that, man. No, it's, and that's why he should be in the uh, argument for one of the best players in the game, arguably. But he, there were players that were more flexible, great on every hero, and did not have, they just didn't have weaknesses, and I would argue their mechanics are very I equivalent. I can't believe the I'm violence. the only one defending this. I, I can understand why he's number one for some people. Like, it, like as I said, Brent, like, it's not like the worst take in the world, but I think no. for six of us to come together and put him at number one, I think is really surprising because of exactly what Avar says. He has so many holes in his game. Obviously, this most recent season, he got spread thin, but that is still a negative to his name, right? Like, he did struggle. And my thing of him very rarely ever playing Anna, I don't know if Johnny's getting the stats for me, but I feel like I've almost never seen it. And they've literally moved the entire roster around to make it so that he doesn't have to play Anna in the past. Like, his Zen, probably one of the best ever to play the game. Like, obviously, and I'm a Jonax simp. But, like, yeah, his, yeah, his BAP is, like, really good as well. But, like, even then, he has some, like, weird plays. Violet, when I feel like when things are going wrong with Violet, he goes for some cra crazy plays, makes a bunch of mistakes that have cost the shock in the past as so, well. So, this is very surface-level stats, okay? So, let's not read into it too much. Uh, because, obviously, there are things to it. I'm putting together uh, a lot of years here, 2019, 2020, 2021, to get a grasp of like how much he's played, but also, um, you know, how he's performed. And that the stats are going to vary quite a lot from 2019 when we had the GOATS meta, of course, like stats were inflated mm -hmm. at that point. Like if you look at some of the damage numbers from like Sora players, they're nuts compared to like 2020, 2021. But I combined the three years, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Those, you know, are, are the three years he's been... Uh, playing and he's been playing nine hours of Ana. Twilight's oh, wow. played 18. Shu has played 24 hours. Um, Jonak played uh, 27 hours. So he's played like a third, roughly um, like a third of what most players have played Ana in that time. Um, yeah. And then Twilight makes up for like the other, you know, realistically. How much, how much of those nine hours are in 2021? Uh, okay, L let me get to that. Let me get to that. Uh, in 2019, 2020, 2021, those three years, Violet ranks number one in final blows, number one in eliminations, uh, like number 
maybe like 10 in hero damage done. I can't get the bio grenade stats. And that's like one of the big things. Yeah. I can't get bio nade yeah. stats. I can't get sleep dart stats, uh, that kind of good stuff. Uh, when it comes to deaths, he ranks pretty low, uh, maybe like 15 or something like that. So he's a very aggressive Ana, and he played about like a third. Uh, he played Ana a third of the time that Shock did play um, Ana. So it was not like he never played Ana, but like a third of the time where Twilight made up like 66%. Yeah. Um, so that's nine hours in three years. Uh, 2019 <clears throat> made up for uh, made up for six hours of that. So he's played six hours of yeah. Ana in 2019, and he played three hours of Ana in 2020 and 2021. Um, uh, Jonak played nine hours. hours per year, really, not even three in each, right? Because it was nine, so it was six, and then he had a total of nine. So then 2020 and 2021. He did three hours total over two yeah. years. Oh, also, yeah. also, I think when you also look at these stats, it's very easy to just be like, um, well, Violet's Ana like, wasn't on the level of some Anas because they literally re replaced Twilight with him. I think it's very important to remember in that conversation that it was Twilight. Like, it was like the best Ana. What about Architect? Like, top two, top three. <laughs> Uh, but look, they also I, had architect I, play Ana. Like, <laughs> like I, I think even the eye test from his Ana was that it wasn't that good. Do I think? It I, I can't argue with that because sure. I can't remember eye tests from 2019 I, and 2020. I can remember it because but, when I was when I was going over this ranking, I distinctly went back to look at his Ana gameplay, and I just it just did not compare to other. No, I mean, his Ana gameplay was abysmal early on. Like, there's yeah. no doubt. But well, it's it's not. I think abysmal I compared abysmal, to him as a player. But, yeah, he's like middle yeah. of the pack. Like he's not. He's yeah. not like you know these other play the other top five players we're putting on Anna, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I don't okay. want listen. I don't want to get too down in the dumps here because he's still number one. He's still number one. He is so, number one. I, listen, who are we trying to convince here? Listen, no, I, but like I, I'd really love to get Sychos <laughs> and Matt's perspective on this as well because I, you know, based on Sychos' quote about alarm, I think there's no doubt that he probably put alarm number one. Um, um and you know. Sorry. Yeah. If I could inter interject here, you, Bren, Matt, and Josh all had Violet at number one. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. That's crazy. So it's not crazy. I I understand your arguments. I could have seen the in? argument being for someone like uh, Isayaki or um, even Alarm being so flexible at so many different roles. Like Alarm, I think Alarm maybe could have been like number two because he was so freaking good at Senyata Ana Brig. Uh, but for a lot of these players, like. Even the best of them, like they have some kind of weakness in their game. For Jonak, for me, that is Batiste and uh, Moira, you know, for example. Like, I don't think he really played those series that well. And some of that is a team, like Custa mentioned. But I don't think there's like a universally perfect flex support player. And I think the closest you maybe get to that would be um, perhaps Alarm being able to play so many different heroes or um, Isayaki, uh, maybe at times. I think the reason I ranked Twilight number one was because he was so very dominant and so important to the San Francisco Shock team at times, especially 2019 and 2020. Like, he was number two uh, consideration for MVP in 2020 behind Fleta. I voted for Violet for MVP, I believe, in um, 2020. Although, you know, if you voted Fleta, that, that's fine. I think Violet is, you know, just a simply different candidate. I think there's nothing wrong with voter for uh, either of those two. I think that Violet gets a bit of a bad rap because of uh, Shock's 2021 season. Yes. But... I, I think it deserves mentioning that like FD God was 
not very good at times. Like he had some good Lucio games, FD God, but they like genuinely struggled to figure out that backline and how the shock wanted to play, integrating Glister into that team. And it was a team that was trying to figure out their identity after two very good years. And I think Violet, obviously wanting to be a superstar on that team and wanting to win championships, he did everything in his power to have the most successful impact on that team possible. That bit him in the ass. And I did not like him flexing over to DPS. And, you know, trying to force him playing McCree, I think that was very disrespectful to his teammates. I think that definitely affected his teammates' mental health yeah. in him being, like, forthcoming and being like, hey, I need to play DPS because you guys are shit. Like, that's not something he said in practice. But essentially, if you're at a flex support and you're putting yourself in that position, you're essentially saying that my DPS players are so bad that I'm going to take over the reins because I'm better than you guys. Um, yeah. How do you feel? I think that was right as a hit scan player and then they're moving Violet off of flex support onto your role, right? Like, that's Yeah, I, I, I think... Violet was wrong in that. Um, obviously, maybe it was a coach decision. Like, I don't have the inside scoop on that, but I think the the last season reflected poorly onto Violet. Um, but I think we, uh, because of that, we sometimes maybe forget like how dominant he was at the flex support role in 2019 and 2020. Um, again, like being second in MVP voting. So um, I put him at number one because I think he was just so dominant at his role um, and the stuff he did at times. But I'm more than willing to admit that maybe someone like Alarm uh, deserved number one. No, I don't. I wouldn't put this Ayaki number one, but maybe Alarm because of his flexibility deserved number one. Yeah. Said. I, 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 go ahead, Scott. You yeah. go first. No, no, you go first. Well, no, because I'm, I'm listening. Oh, you're going to wrap it? Okay, I just, I, I'm going to say my point and wrap. Okay. okay. Uh, I, I'm just going to say like my big thing, uh, like I don't want this to come off as like I'm discrediting Alarm. He's obviously like absolutely an absolute nutter. I just think as a, if we're talking about a whole well-rounded finals player, who's like someone who is like, def you know, defined and being the best at flex support in season one, he's obviously been great at Zen, but I haven't seen enough of him on other roles um, to really just like put him at number one, but he's number three. He's, he's still like, sick. Yeah, still so. really good. Yeah. I, I personally just don't, the last thing for me for the Violet thing is that if we, there are so many candidates that are so unbelievably well-rounded and very, very good mechanically, and they do have huge impact consistently, like Shu and Izayaki or even Alarm and such, that yes, were they ever, were they, were their mechanics and impact as high as Violet's at this peak is it? Not necessarily, but they were overall far more well-rounded and never cost their teams games ever. Um, and and were actively a huge impact, and I would argue that mechanically they were all still fairly close to Violet, even if Violet was ahead of them. So to me, when I look at what should be the greatest player of all time in flex support role, it should be someone that is high impact on everything. And sure, may not have the one peak on one particular hero, but they're close enough to where it doesn't even really matter because they're going to be fill out the holes in the roster to where they won't lose other games. And I'm going to make the argument that I think where, where I think a lot of these players, you can interchange amongst teams and you probably have potential better or like equal or better success changing players out to these other teams. Because so like it's because I don't think Violet necessarily outside of Zinn and Bap and like also he like his Lucio was OK ish when he played Lucio. Oh, was like, no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we don't need to go there. We're not going to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the point being is that like I think in 2021, if you replaced Violet with like an Izzyaki or something else, like you could potentially have seen like a very different season, right? Um, from that team. And it's not that it would have solved other issues. It just would have helped a lot of, it just would have helped some of them. So I, I do think that Violet is kind of getting like 
and like I'm not gonna disagree with it because he was so good at those years, but I feel like he's getting kind of a hard. He's getting for DB number one. It seems like he has some gigantic holes in his game. Well, okay, so th this is what I'm gonna say before we wrap. That well, we're supposed to go through the aggregate. Uh, yeah, we, I, I, I will. That? That's what I mean. Okay. Sorry, I meant uh, we were gonna do that. I didn't mean we were gonna wrap the show up. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'll say this about Violet before before we move on from. This final point is that every single player that there is no, you're not going to find one player that has the mixture of accomplishments at the highest level, highest peak, consistency of play, um, being the core player that people build around. All of these factors that you might consider and to put them in your list, you're not going to find somebody who is perfect at all of them, just just at the top. Like it's just not going to happen. Like Alarm, amazing player, flexible, highest peak of play, hasn't uh, hasn't won. Like, it hasn't won some of the, the greatest accomplishments in terms of that. Uh, you think of Izayaki has won, um, but generally quite a, a not a short-lived career, but mechanically quite consistent and things like that. But he's never been the central piece that the Shanghai Dragons build around, but still a champion. But I don't think that really matters. Like the, well, it, the depends what you, it depends what you want on your list. It's the reason we're that's taking fair. all yeah, of our fair. results yeah. and putting them together. I'm saying fair. for me, yeah, I'm fair. considering that's a variety fair. of yeah. factors, and there's no, there's no singular person who's going to be perfect on this list. But in my mind, Violet... Stands above for, I think, I think we're falling into the trap where we have a a magnifying glass over the shock for their 2021 season because of their back-to-back -back champions. They were they were criticized a lot as a team, like a lot. Everybody was scrutinizing, uh, was kind of looking at them with with incredible scrutiny, at like FD gods play and everything else, and they made some questionable decisions, no doubt. But at the end of the day. Four of us thought that Violet should be number one. So you're being so you're being I mean, so. I mean, that's a oh lot of nonsense. Saying four people should be number, one. and that's fine. And once again, I'm not here going to say like if people want to put Violet number one, I think that is not an unreasonable opinion. Yeah. I just don't agree with it. I just don't agree with it. And I think there are better candidates. That's fine. Um, that's fine. Should we look at the individual lists? Should we take a look at this? Okay. I mean, who do you do? You want to, do you want to start with mine? Oh, so the way we did this last time, I quite like this. Josh, Josh said this and suggested it. We should all, if there's a player in your top 10, we need to make an argument and sell that they should be in the top oh, 10 whatever. for all of us. Starting oh, with... Are we doing top 10? Because I have a, oh, I have a brilliant one for that. Before okay. we do that, let's look at the whole list and see all of the names. Okay. That were yeah. put into the... Uh... Take a look. So this is... This is all of the all of the lists, and these are the numbers with them as well. So this is oh, so these are the players that just didn't break into the top ten as well for our for our complete yeah. aggregated results. Unko is thirteen. Unko is Unko very thirteen high. is very high. Unko for... is very high. That's wild to me. What? That Unko's that high? Who put Unko super high? Because I, I it, it had have to have been Johnny, list. right? Johnny, is Unko, was this you? Who's, who's list is Unko on? Did you put Unko really high? I have okay. I'll be honest. I had Unko at fourteen. Cause I like, but my list is like boomer shit. Like my my yeah, I mean, yeah, my eleven yeah, I mean, to fifteen is boomer stuff. Are just like things that I personally like feel about. But like, yeah, that's crazy. You got that high. I mean, you got, oh my god, got so many. Rorkus made the list. Oh, okay. Rorcus, I mean, okay, no, that's okay. In mine, uh, I I had to like just like randomly fill someone at the bottom of my list, and Rorcus just got put just, like, welcome, welcome, welcome mm. to the list. Like, literally, just mm. you know, Team USA, they want to, they want a world. You're gunning uh, for that Sentinels coaching position. Yeah, twenty six. <laughs> also, fine, hit me up. Though. I'm going to Valorant. <laughs> I can't believe how high Bunko is. I mean, no, this... I mean is wild to me. Yeah. Let's I think go. I think Jin being eleven is an extremely fair ranking, though. I will say that I think Jin yeah. being eleven is a very fair ranking. Good player in a bad team type yeah. thing. And also, also didn't necessarily like wasn't always like the greatest. Just was always very solid. Um, yeah. So I think that's an extremely fair ranking for Jin.
Uh, I actually had Monk and Faraway a lot uh, higher on my list, and I had Crimzo, Myungbung. And the thing, so once we got to like 15, 14 range, it got really hard because there's players like Boombox and Shaz yeah. and such that are like, ooh, like they're so hard to like. Where do I put these players here? Because mm -hmm. I haven't played in a while, but they were really good when they played. Um, All right, then Connor, let's so, let's look at your list, and you'll be the first one. You gotta you gotta solve. Oh, you guys are gonna maul, you guys are gonna mold out of control at mine. I bet. Is the Aki Twilight shoe was a top three is an interesting one. That is like, interesting. I, after hearing your your points, like I get it, but it's like yeah. I think not many people <sighs> would ever have that top second. three. Yeah, yep. I think I I think Twilight is an you incredible had player. Farway over Jonak. Like, yes. how, defend that for me. Come on, because Jonak is an I, MVP. I literally already defended it. Jonak has not been a has not been an elite level player since well, season one. What did one. 1987 do for you? Like, what did Farway do for you in this? 1987 was great. He was great this year. He, he was, was well good. Rounded. He was fantastic. Him and Monk, 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 I, Monk maybe should have gone down a little bit, but I think Monk had some of the most ridiculous Zenyatta plays ever this past season. He was legitimately so fucking good both of the chengdu flex support players were really really good far away was well more rounded than monk which is why far away played higher. four hours and 40 minutes this season boom i'm I, i'm totally he has four hours in the league and you put him really, over an mvp i'm i'm just simply saying that i think these players are better more rounded than jonak currently that's all there is to it i think they're better uh, currently I think okay had a good season. currently i don't think he had a good 2020 this is why this is why the Listen, this is why the aggregated results are good. <laughs> this is why the averages I, are good. I, I, do not ba I don't base my results based off past past performances. It, it adds into So you're it, ranking now. The top 15, no, no, no. top 10 it's also, now. I mean, yeah, it's also based off... I mean, yeah, probably, because the, I think those players... So you're saying, more. mechanically, the, the highest peak that they have, regardless of what genre or time it happened, the people who are the best right now for you? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, like, okay. that's very different. different. Yeah, yeah I read it very, very differently. I mean, I mean, I just, like, support, it's a very, it's a very tough role. And the reality is, if your mechanics are at your peak right now and you're looking really, really good right now, you're on average better than the players that come before you, especially if they're not playing that great right now. Right. So, currently. my argument so. against doing that is because if you asked who are the best 100 NBA players of all time, you would literally just like add the current rosters and be like, well, they're the most Carissa skilled, the you know, list. like their movement and ball handling. Like it's way uh, better than the 1960s. So we're not going to give credit to Will Chamberlain or but the thing is Larry they, but Bird those players or would make Michael Jordan. Like there's so many players who have been better than Michael Jordan, like in terms of like yeah. being good at basketball. But for his time, Jordan was like, the ghost. I don't that's know why, about that. That's why he would. I agree with Johnny. I agree with Johnny. I see what's going on. Basketball is not the equivalent because the mechanic, there are no new heroes. There are no new metas in basketball. Like, obviously, you change, like, there's place out there. Like, change. Like, we can go from, like, okay, you want your guard to be shooting, you know, your guard's shooting a lot of threes, your guard's more in the paint, right? There are different, like, metas in NBA. But at the end of the when day, we the end up game on does not fundamentally change like it does. In, Dude, like I mean, Matt should be here for this as well. Had yeah. fundamentally changed, though. And but. Michael yeah. Jordan still holds up against some of the best. This, because this discussion actually would bring emotion out of Matt. Yes. Yeah. He yeah. Would, he would, I, I, there I would be know. light I, behind also, his eyes for the first time in players, years. Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain, they would still be on the list because it's clear that their accomplishments make them deserve to be on the list, which is why Jonak is on the list, right? It's just... This is an yeah. Overwatch podcast. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, I think this is just a fundamental disagreement. I don't think we're going to be able to solve well, this yeah. over. <laughs> I should have said this before the episode. Well, also, no, I just think these players are currently. I just think they're currently better than the other players. Yeah, like let's um, no. 
Let's have a. Are we, wow. I'm. I'm not buying your. I, the thing is, I had Farway on the list, but I don't think I had him in the top ten at all. I thought. I thought. Let's him take a look at mine. Right, we'll Where did I have Farway? I had Farway at eleven. Um, okay. just kind of like squeaking just ever so slightly there. But the, the, I mean, a player I'm trying to sell you all on is Monk because I think Monk was so unbelievably underrated. You don't um, have to sell me on Monk. I, I'm, I'm a, I know you had Monk pretty high up as well, but uh, yeah, I, I when I watched Chengdu play, Monk was uh, just a freak on Zen. Like the guy was, uh, in some cases, I feel like you could build around him and Chengdu kind of got, I don't know, Chengdu, Chengdu obviously overshadowed by some other players on that roster, but yeah, Monk was always just there, this consistent owner in the back line. Uh, I thought that he deserved at least some mentioning here. And But the, the weird thing with Chengdu is as well is because Farway and Monk were sometimes splitting playtime, especially in the playoffs. Like the, the four hours of Farway's so playtime, was in, a lot of it, I think, was in the playoffs, which is the weird thing. Yeah. Because the regular season games, I thought... I mean, Monk just absolutely popped off. And so it was. it's so weird to rank players that are like splitting playtime in the most crucial moments of their team's like history. I don't know. It was, it was weird to rate them, but I, I, think I really- I think is an interesting pick. I, th I think, you know, he was obviously yeah. uh, incredibly good at Brigitte. I think the one part I struggled with ranking skewed in my uh, top 15 list was the fact that in 2020, uh, when his career started, he got last place in Korean Contenders, and then he played two and a half hours of Flex Support Heroes in the Overwatch League, and the rest was yeah. Brig. Yeah, I don't. I that's why I didn't put him on. Is he really a Flex Support player? That's what. That's what I was more like, I couldn't put him in the Flex Support because there's so many Flex Support players that already play Brig that also fulfill their role better than Skewed, right? So like, I, I I was able to quantify him for main support, but not Flex. The the reason I had him in in the list, I didn't put him in the main support because he he fit, he's in this weird area where he's playing Brig, which typically is fulfilled by the main support players, but he doesn't play any of the other main supports. Like, he doesn't he doesn't play Lucio. He played, like, no Lucio or Mercy yeah. the entire season. Yeah. Uh, and, but he was critical to his team's success in the year. Like, the highest peaks that the Gladiators had achieved were off the back of Skewed's Brig play, and his Brig play was elite. It was amazing. So, I had to put him in there, but he kind of just... Yeah, I mean, I felt like just some of the play, or at least, like, Farway makes it up there as well, just because, as well, the flexibility, I think, coming in at the crucial moment, still playing pretty well at a very high level, but... Um, I think it's a good list, Ben. I think you got a good list. Yeah, Thank I think you. it's a good list. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing crazy controversial other than the Monk pick, but, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, That's what I'm trying to sell people more. Is there, has anybody else got anything weird? Scott? Uh, yeah, go to my list. Okay, I need to defend this to begin with because... Holy shit. That's it. So I want to preface this with I did my 1 to 10 list as like what I think is the greatest of all time. And then after that, because I knew it was like aggregate points and stuff like that, I'm like, I'm just going to go with some boomer shit of people that I look back in time and I go, this player was so good. So that's that's why I had this. Uh, it's worth noting that Chipsogen was not supposed to be 10. Uh, he's supposed to be 11. I took Jaehong out of my list. So... um. Chips is someone in my eyes that I looked up to a lot in my career. Like in early days of Overwatch 2016, 2017, even 2018, when I got to play alongside him, I respected the shit out of him as a player. He's, he was the best in the West. Um, obviously, you know, everyone else ended up catching up to us, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, I had like Kriv down there. I think I struggled to put Kriv in the top 10 list personally, just because of his last couple of seasons. And I don't think he ever was the best in his role. Um, and Crimson at uh, 11 is actually, I think, I'm That's really high on Crimson right now. Like, Crimson right now, I really think Crimson, 
he's a great player. I think he just had some really good seasons and people don't talk about him enough. So I think this season might be his breakout season where re- people really start talking about him in the conversation of one of the best Western supports ever to play the game, uh, flex sports to play the game. And also how far can he move up this list? I had him at like 13 or 14, I think on my list. Like he was, yeah. really, was, him him and, him and he was really, really good. Crimson, yeah. Crimson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. his mechanics are insane. So yeah, so I agree with that. Player. Yeah. I got some I, real boomer yeah, sourdough lawnmower you. shit in my rankings. I, I tell also you. like the last one uh, too. Well, uh, <laughs> Shaz so made I, the list. I, first of all, I would okay, I would put the Doshin lower. I would not put him at five. I would put him lower like seven, eight. If I got to yeah, redo it, I would lower the Doshin. Crazy high. Um, Kariv eight and Boombox nine are also. But Bebe okay. at ten. Okay, Wait, so Iris Bebe... not on the list. Oh, sorry, sorry. who's not on I'm the sorry. list? Yeah, Iris. he's just trolling. He's trolling you. Okay. So, okay, let me lay out some arguments for some of these people, okay? So, Bedoshin, I would rank lower, okay? Bebe, I ranked him pretty high because he's just been around for so damn long in the league. And he's a pretty controversial player in that, like, if you actually, like, vibe check what people think about Bebe, they either think he's overrated or that he's underrated. He's, like, nowhere in between because no one really knows how to assess Bebe. I think that Hangzhou Spark, they get forgetting sometimes, like, how good they were in 2019 playing GOATs. They were actually one of the most, like, uh, most, uh, like, some of the best chemistry, like, in the league, being able to execute on a team play kind of level um, with Gucci playing the Reinhardt. The backline was really solid um, for the Hangzhou Spark in 2019. And Bebe was obviously part of that, being able to, you know, use his abilities and synchronize and um, compete with some of these top teams. Um, he was around, played early, you know, Apex Season 3, Apex 4. Um, he didn't see a ton of success, but he was around. And after that uh, 2019 season with the Hangzhou Spark, like, he was part of the Washington Justice. It wasn't the best season from them. I think that this season, he was punished for not having a good main support at all. I think that Closer didn't do him any justice. They put in Tubo and Brigitte, and he just got like, maybe essentially like hard fed because he had no support whatsoever at his main support role. Uh, but in general, I think Bebe has a pretty, been a pretty consistent figure for a very long time in the scene. And I gave him points for that. I don't think ever he's been like, competing at the top level with you know the likes of uh, Jonak, Bedoshin, Violet. Like he's never ever reached that peak that some of these other players have. But I have to give Bebe credit. He's been around for a long time and I think he's been consistently stable uh, in this uh, yeah. in, in the environment. I think the same can be said for Shaz. Like Shaz, you know, he was co- consistent, good flex support player. I in think the league Shaz for like three if Shaz kept playing, he would be pre- actually a de- maybe a decent spot on this list. I'm very yeah. sad that he retired because I thought Shaz still had a lot of um, talent still. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Like, he was good. Like, he at times, like, broke into, like, the top five flex support, maybe. But he was never, like, competing for, like, top three. You know, it was never, like, breaking the game. He was never, like, super good. But I think he deserves some credit for, like, always competing with the Gladiators and getting, like, five to seventh spot in the league. Like, that's hard to do on a consistent basis. And Shaz was around to do that. Like, okay, Boombox at number nine. This, I think, is probably one of the most controversial picks right here. And I'm just going to come out. I'm full-fledged European fanboy right here. <laughs> because when Boombox came around in the scene in 2019, when he started out on uh, Cyclones and then qualified for mm-hmm. TakeOver 2 and uh, joined uh, United going into TakeOver 2, this guy was a fucking beast. One of the best flex supports um like in Europe competing with Anko for that title, but also like the world. Like I cannot explain to you how fucking good Boombox was playing Ana and Senyala. And he was part of the reason why United and Cyclones were so good at playing like a triple DPS kind of meta. And, you know, 
you don't have to give that a ton of credit. He did win contender season zero, like before the Overwatch League started. Coming into the Overwatch League makes the finals. And I think we forget sometimes how good Boombox was um, uh, among some of those flex supports in the league. Obviously, he wasn't Jonak, he wasn't Bedosian level. But like when we were talking about Boombox on the desk, you know, previewing games, like Boombox was a good threat on this team. It was usually about Carpe. You know, Carpe is a fantastic DPS player. He's a superstar on this team. You got to shut him down. But you couldn't sleep on Boombox because of the impact he had on Ana and Senyata. So I think sometimes we forget like how good Boombox was at his peak powers. 2019 didn't have the best of season, but then he came in in 2020 and I actually looked at the stats of like how much did he play around this time. You know, Alarm was obviously the, the flex support of Philadelphia Fusion in 2020. But Boombox actually came in um, that stage when they got second to Paris Eternal in Summer Showdown, Boombox actually played uh, Batiste a lot for this team alongside Alarm. Uh, and they subbed out Funny Astro, I think. And his Batiste stats were like generally like pretty good, you know, like he held his own. So I think that Boombox eventually was one player that sort of got like run out of the league because Alarm replaced him. And Alarm was like one of the best flex supports of all time. But Boombox, at his peak of his power powers in 2017, 2018, I think he was a really good player. And he still held his own for like two more years afterwards in 2020 and uh, 2019. So I got to give him credit for that. He made an Overwatch League finals and, um, you know, they didn't end up winning. But I, I think he was really good for the duration he was in the league. I, I do want to add real quick as well. For the 11 to 15, I, I made a list of every flex support in the league who's ever played. And it's actually kind of crazy how consistently good they all are. You could make an argument for a lot of people to be in these like 11 to 15, just like Johnny did for Boombox. There's a lot of really, really good players that could make that yeah. list, which when you look at, you know, the previous season of like the main support that you guys just did, there were a lot of very average main supports that would just never even be considered for the list. Well, I, I actually really struggled when I was like putting my 11 to 15, I'm like, how do I differentiate so many of these mm -hmm. players? Some were... Uh, are better now some were better in the past some have accomplishments some don't so it's like it's it's very difficult but it was it was kind of cool to see that like we've had a lot of flex support flex i think has been the most either that or flex tank i think has always been um the, be yeah. the most stacked roles of like the best players are playing in those yeah. roles okay can i can i rant about one more player yeah. <laughs> this is my oh, time to shine okay uh, i'm sorry we might want to wrap the show i just want to roast Matt. valorant or whatever i want to talk about one more player before we do that i want to talk about anko because he is another controversial figure in overwatch history obviously you know 2016 2017 rogue and envy we had this like feud this rivalry between the two of us you know i think i was better than coco in the main tank role i think anko was better than chips high in the deflect support role uh whereas a lot of people you know they they would look back at envy and be like there are some amazing players you know historically on that team i think anko could have been i think i think he 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 um he hurt himself with kind of like some of the rumors about him being a bad teammate and you know being difficult to practice with and difficult to play with because i genuinely think if he had been like on the right teams and like um perhaps been a little bit better of a teammate in that regard he had the individual skill to keep playing in the Overwatch League and genuinely been like a top five, top six player. I'm not fucking kidding around. I think Anko individually was so mechanically good. And you saw that in 2016 when he played on Rogue. You saw that in 2017 when he was on a team that he liked playing with, with his uh, French teammates. Like he could fucking deliver. He could play at an like, extremely high level. Um, and as the Overwatch League started, that his career kind of fell apart because he was, you know, first he was on the LA Valiant and, you know, things didn't go that well. I don't expect Costa to really like talk about, you know, 
his time playing with Unko. But you know, we saw later what happened on in the Dallas Fuel that like I never played with Dallas okay. Fuel. My trade was for Unko. Oh right, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, but we saw later on, um, you know, on the Dallas Fuel that like that that was a dumpster fire. And I don't think <laughs> you necessarily can blame Unko single-handedly for the shit fest that was the Dallas Fuel in 2018 and 2019. So I think that, you know, if Unko hadn't been on that Dallas Fuel roster, I think there's a case to be made that maybe he would have been more optimistic about continuing to play Overwatch and maybe been on some other teams if they had found more success. Um, and I, I think he could have added to his repertoire of accolades and achievements and really continued being a great, a great flex support player. I have tons of respect for what Anko did in the flex support role. Uh, I had to knock him down because, you know, he didn't find that Overwatch League success. But at his peak powers, Anko was a fucking force to be reckoned with. And I would yeah. have loved to see what he could have done in a good environment playing Batiste. Uh, and some of these mechanically uh, skilled things because like Shu is obviously the better player but like Unko could have done a little bit of what Shu did this year I think in the right hands uh, of that Batiste what? like I really yeah I mechanically really he was very he good, was good. For he was good support. I mean honestly Boombox and Unko are your two best boomer takes I think because I do think both <laughs> those players were pretty good that just didn't have enough time in the league to see where else they could have gone um, and but the problem, the biggest problem with Unko is that he literally just destroyed his own career through his attitude issues. I think a lot of the ways. So like that's unfortunate for Unko, but mm. because he he did have the talent legitimately as uh, the first North American team to take a map off of Rogue back in 2017. Uh, I do remember. God, I mean, I'm surrounded by boomers. Can, can we roast Matt now, please? Yeah, let's roast. I want to roast Matt. Can we see Matt's list? What is Matt's list here? Um, the oh, I mean. He's missing Fielder. Well, he has. He well, first of all, Fielder's not on the list. Skewed is top ten. Yeah, he's just skewed in top 10. ten. Oh my god, skewed by two hours and thirty Keo, minutes. Kio and Luffy on this list are Kio and Luffy on the list. That's pretty wild. I mean, this is like honestly, it's not the worst list ever, but there's just some fucking weird choices. As soon as you get below six, as soon as you get below six, it starts getting yeah, going in the like, world completely. Absolutely I, I, forgot about Fielder. This is, yeah. He put Iris 7 and forgot about Fielder. Yes. Yeah. He forgot about yeah. Fielder. I mean, that's just list. wild. He must have forgot about Fielder. That's We're also skewed at 8. I mean, I didn't have skewed that. <laughs> I don't think skewed. I don't even understand how skewed is making flex support list because he... he <laughs> yeah. He played break. Shu played flex support for the yeah, Gladiators he, the whole yeah, season. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, but, it depends how you quantify it, I guess. Different lists. This, yeah, there's not, there's not as much to roast here. Are we, are we wrapping? We're done. All right, cool. Um, what would you? What? What? what are fun. we doing another? What? What list are we doing? Next? We still have lots of lists. We have. Do you want to do yeah. off tank or main tank next week? We have week? off tank, main um, tank. Let's do are we separating tank? DPS by the way, or are we just doing DPS? I think we should because if we try to differentiate try to from like twenty DPS players, the one it's going to be impossible. Yeah. Wait. So, so yeah, you were doing the one D DPS list. I don't know. We should talk about. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Should we do off tanks then next next time? Yeah, we want to do off tanks next time. Let's do off. Let's do off tanks. I think that sounds good with me, Brent. Yeah, thanks for watching, everybody. The very special episode of our top ten flex supports. You know, a lot of disagreements, a lot of back and forth. You know, there was there was some blood spilled over this episode. This one is a lot harder than the main sport one. Yeah, this one this one was difficult. The main sport one was more papige by far. The main sport one was far more papige. Jonak ten.
Make sure you. Uh, <laughs> that is Don't that is know. ridiculous. Make sure Don't you subscribe to the channel. Great one year. Make sure you follow us. Yeah, Twitter. we won MVP. Leave Sorry, leave a comment of whose list was the worst, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. I guess we'll we'll either be doing an episode of some news comes out, or you, I mean the next time will probably be the off tank episode. So we'll see you then. Peace. Bye bye. Bye.